Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Person who called in last four digits, 2595-2595. Your line is open. Hello, Gus. This is Pam. How are you? Hello. I'm well. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I'm Pam, fine. This is, uh, she is a a repeat guest. Uh, her uh, uh, she's a repeat guest. The the website uh, Trojan Horse One. Um, in a minute. I'm, like, I'm I'm old yeah. and forgetful. Make sure I'm not saying anything yeah. incorrect. Can you give us the website? Yeah, it's uh, TrojanHorseOne.com. You had it right. Dang, I should have trusted. <laughs> See, trust yourself. Trust yourself. Trojanhorse1.com, uh, author, co-author of uh, Trojan Horse, Death of a Dark Nation, and other second book soon to come should be hot off the presses any day now. Um, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, uh, I've, I decided to take a break. I was working on the book, and I um, saw the uh, title of the show, and I was I have to admit I was shocked. I, I, I guess I missed out on all the all the uh what led up to it um i have to admit i'm disappointed not so much in anybody but just uh at the i guess necessary or whatever happened but uh that's what the struggle is about it's about disappointments and it's about uh staying focused it's it's not supposed to be easy you know it it um there's a saying by uh uh, Carl Jung, Jung, I guess is his name, uh, so-called father of modern psychology, and he made a, uh, uh, I'm going to quote what he said, and he said that the avoidance of the, the avoidance of legitimate suffering is the beginning of mental illness. So uh, sometimes things mm-hmm. happen for a reason, and uh, those things are supposed to make us stronger. Uh, in answer to your question uh, that you asked uh, about. Is a person working for Homeland Security? Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly how you phrased it, but that would make me raise an eyebrow. Not to say that that means anything, but it it would cause me a little concern because I would think, well, can they really be the person they are and keep their job? I keep myself undercover at my job. Uh, I suspect if they knew what I was, you know, what I really felt that it caused me some problems. So that would be my only thought about that. Um, I feel like I've missed out on so much. 
you know, I, I don't even know what to it's ask. Archive. You, you didn't. Hmm? I, I did have a question. Oh, I just, I just said it's archived. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yes, yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I just uh, I just wanted to, um, you know, I started listening because I wanted to find out what had happened. So I really don't have a, a long mm. anything long to say. I just wanted to find out what happened. But, again, uh, it's it's just a reminder for me, don't get caught up in nobody else's thing. Try to get as much information. Think for yourself. Lead yourself. Don't turn anything into a fan club. Don't turn anything into a popularity contest. Don't turn anything into a club. We're not in high school anymore. And so we have to be willing to stand on our own two feet. And based on what I have experienced a little bit is that that leaves out your family many times. And that's not easy. So I guess, the, you know, I think your position is, a, is, a, is, is one that takes a lot of fortitude and determination because you have to be like what you said. You said, you know, I'm not your friend. And, and I think that's a good thing to say because you need to keep people focused on what the real in, in what your real mission is. And it's not to turn this into a love fest or, you know, anything like that. It's to get information out and try to strategize and find a way for us as individuals to combat the system of white supremacy, whatever way we can. But I did oh, I know what the question was, I'm sorry. The question was, what were they advocating uh, at this, I guess, the last interview, what were they advocating that you said wasn't mature or wasn't realistic? What was it that people were saying? You should, or who were the people saying, and what were they saying we should do as black people? It was a roundtable uh, discussion. It was uh, this past Saturday, and the topic of the discussion was uh, genocide of the white race, meaning, you know, kill all white people. Should black people think about that? Should black people participate in that? Uh, That was the discussion. And the participants were myself, Justice, uh, Irritated Jeannie, uh, Sister Nefertari, Mm -hmm. King Samir of the New Black Panther Party, and Brother Louis Ali, who also has a radio program, uh, should be beginning on War on the Horizon next month. Mm-hmm. Um, it a lot of the discussion loosely was around yes we should kill all white people but a big chunk of it was taken up because uh, King Samir said that black people are the greatest builders and I said that I don't I don't think that's an accurate statement uh, in November 2010 I don't believe that's a true statement mm-hmm. and a lot of time ended up being spent on discussing whether or not that was a valid statement mm-hmm. um, but I just felt you know it wasn't I mean, you can listen, in my opinion, and I shared this, you know, with Irritated Genie, and I, I don't – any of those folks that are on the roundtable, please call in. I don't care. Um, I didn't think it was mature. I don't think it's mature in the position that black people are in 2010 to sit around and just white man is the devil, these white crackers, black man is God, the black woman is God, we're the greatest builders, the pyramids, you know, we built D.C., Bannock. I mean, I just don't think that's mature. I mean, white people with the weapons that they have, and you work at Homeland Security. It's just like, come on, man. This is this is not constructive. This is kind of childish. I mean, when white people sit down to talk about 
genocide of a group, they don't go outside and just jump up and down and say, you know, these no good niggers or whoever. Mm -hmm. They go have quiet meetings with a Mm -hmm. pen and a pad and talk about how they're going to get this done. What's the timetable? Uh, The same thing uh, Mr. Nero said. They have a mature dialogue about Mm -hmm. exterminating X number of people in this number of days. That's not what we had on Saturday. Right. They have a mature, they have a, a, a real plan, too, and they know they can back up what they want to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I, Mr. Nero, did you want to say hi to Pam? I know he's a supporter. <laughs> Mr. Nero, uh, did you want to say hi? Now, you know I'm crazy about Pam, but I just walked <laughs> in the store. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Nero? Good to hear from you, Pam. Uh, good to talk to you. You know, I, 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 girl, I'll be grinning from here to here when you come on. <laughs> Well, you're going to love the book because, you know, we, we, we get all up under the bed sheets. So, um, anyway, the next book, I mean. Absolutely. I'm definitely looking forward to adding both to the to the uh, library. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Gus? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I've, I've actually... Seen, have those, I wouldn't say I have those. I've, over, I've heard conversations like that, you know, and um, that's why Neely Fuller is such a shock to the system because he cuts right through that, and he won't let black people mm-hmm. uh, uh, wallow around in, in self-delusion. You know, uh, I've heard black people say, uh, white, you know, black people are smarter than white people and this and that, all this kind of stuff, and I'm thinking like, well, if we're smarter than they are, why are we in the in the in, in a condition that we're in? Why are we in the position that we're in? And I'm not saying that we're less intelligent. I'm saying, but let's you know, let's keep it real. Uh, I don't know. All I can say is uh, that kind of conversation it's, it it doesn't really. But one thing, I sometimes I wonder when people lead that kind of conversation, and I've had people online do that to me on other websites, and I've always got the sneaking suspicion that they wanted to get me to say something, make some kind of threat, provoke some, you know, uh, be able to accuse me of provoking violence, and then they can use that against me. So I'm always a little suspicious of people that wholesale, you know, I mean the, the conversation, not the people, but I'm always a little leery. I was going to say suspicious because I'm not suspicious of Sister Nefertari or, 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 the, uh, or uh, Irritated Genie. Uh, I admired some of the things that they've written and said, so I have no suspicions of them personally. But I'm leery of sometimes even good-intentioned people can be led by some kind of outside agent, a provocateur to say things, and now you're a threat. Now you're threatening people. Now you're threatening to kill people. And if anybody knows the language of the Patriot Act and the... uh, um, some of these other legislations that have passed over the last decade, it doesn't take much for them to come after you. You know, it really doesn't. Agreed. And they can come after you with absolutely no evidence, so why give them any? And unfortunately, we like to talk. And one thing Neely Fuller said I remember clearly was he said that if you listen to white people, white men, they don't talk. They let you do all the talking. So when we jump up and down and stuff, we're an emotional people. We got a lot of suppressed uh, <laughs> something. We're very, you know, and so we're very uh, emotional and very free-talking and uh, very traumatized. 
And so we, because we're, we're not thinking analytically, we're always thinking emotionally, we don't pay attention to what our enemies are doing. And we don't pay attention to the tactics they use to get us to talk. I'll give you just one quick example, then I'm going to give somebody else a chance to talk. I don't know if you heard about that little dog and pony show of uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and Rush Limbaugh with that uh, congressman that supposedly she pushed him aside to take his spot, some black congressman, to uh, take his position mm. because she got put out of hers. And so Rush Limbaugh made a statement mm. that, you know, the black people, you know, basically I, this is what I got from it. Black people are always talking, you know, talking about the racist Republicans, but what about the racist Democrats? And so he made a crack like uh, now that black guy can be driving Miss Nancy. So, you know, in, in, you know, kind of a takeoff of driving Miss Daisy. So, uh, you know, it was a big uproar about it. Uh, people came on uh, NSNBC, and, you know, they had they basically took this guy named uh, Ron Chris, Christie, this black, quote-unquote, Republican guy whose voice drives me literally insane because he tries to sound so white. Anyway, he was arguing with Joe Madison, another black guy, and a, a brother friend of mine made the comment that, you got here they got on this white news show they've got two black people going at each other over what a white person said and a white person did but neither the white person that said it nor the white person that did it is on the show so they got two black people fighting over what white people are doing and saying cuz we never think about the fact that why do they always want us to do all this talking and i'll leave it at that so thank you for letting me vent <laughs> cuz and I, you know, well, make thank you other for call. the commentary. Okay. And you have a good evening, and I'll still be listening. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018, so I have been told. Very difficult uh, to plan, schedule, conduct this broadcast. Probably uh, one of the uh, most challenging programs that we've had to carry out. Uh, but the business of counter racism go about those duties as best we can. Uh, this broadcast uh, is exclusively dedicated to recognizing the passing of author, victim of white supremacy, investor in the cows, and guest on the cows more times than I can count. Uh, I can tell folks explicitly, Dr. Welsing was on the cows 31 times. I can tell folks explicitly, Dr. Robert Jensen, he's been on the cows four times. Pam has been on the program so many times as a guest. I'm not even counting, you know, times that she called in like what you just heard, where she just, you know, called in to share a thought or two. But as an actual guest, I cannot count how many times, like dozens, dozens and dozens, in fact, I think she might have been a guest on the program so many times that if you are a new listener, 
if you just started listening to the cows within the last year or so, uh, she had been having health problems, so she wasn't on the program as much uh, over the last year, like 2017. If you have been listening, a lot of times we would have her scheduled, and then we weren't able to carry out the broadcast. I think a few times even, especially over 2017, I was having health problems, my back and my wisdom teeth, and then I got better, and then she was having health problems. We were kind of taking turns uh, for a moment there, but uh, if you just started listening to the cows within the last year or so you might and you have if you have not been listening to the archives you might be saying who is this pam person i've not heard of her i don't know what they're talking about uh anybody who has listened to the cows for any length of time you have heard and i'm sure the vast majority of listeners enjoyed her uh but the point being she spent so much time sharing her thoughts and views on white supremacy. I'm not sure that you could cat like you would have to spend a lot of time listening. It's days and days uh, of archives. And I think we should just be grateful uh, that she was so willing to hang out and share with us. And this program is just uh, an appreciation acknowledgement uh, for her efforts uh, her contributions to this program and to trying to help as many black people as she possibly could get a better understanding of racism and to give concrete suggestions, things that they could do to try to solve this problem and to keep themselves safe. Uh, I just found out uh, about her passing uh, this within the past couple of days here. And uh, it it has been absolutely devastating. Uh, I will read you the exact obituary uh, that was emailed to me by a cow's listener and a person who had been trying to get Pam's books, uh, which we will review and all of that through the course of the broadcast. Uh, and in fact, before I even read the obituary, I will encourage listeners, if you have any of Pam's books, go ahead throughout the program you can take the next you know 30 40 minutes we'll listen to a few sound clips uh but if there is a particular passage that stood out in any of her books the interracial con game trojan horse death of a dark nation the beauty con game black love is a revolutionary act any of her writings uh that stood out if you want to read uh, a passage i think that would be great a uh, great way to honor she put so much time and energy, uh, so much of her life force uh, into writing those books uh, and uh, promoting, managing her website, racismws.com. Uh, I think that would be something she would appreciate having a little bit of her writings uh, read in honor of her tremendous counter-racist efforts. But the obituary uh, posted on February 26, 2018, Pamela Evans Harris was born on October 12, 1953 to Columbia natives Hattie Evans Harris and George B. Harris. She was the niece of Camille and Randolph Howell, Gladys and William Davis, and counted many Columbians as part of her extended family. Ms. Pamela E. Harris passed away in Chicago on February 15, 2018, after a long career as an electronic technician repairing mail processing equipment for the United States Postal Service until her retirement in 2017. 
One of Pam's greatest gifts was her writing. She wrote short stories and novels, and there is a strangely captivating wit and brilliance to her work. In her own words, Pam said, I needed to be gainfully employed, but in my heart, I knew that I had to be a writer. She leaves to cherish her memory. Three sisters, Sandra Seaton, Paula Winner Thomas, Nuwaji Nafatu, Brenda Harris, an adopted sister, Carmen Sidney Leslie, four nieces, Dr. Anne Lewish and Amanda Seaton, Dr. Laura Winner, and Rachel Jeff Marchetti, five nephews, James Jr. and Jeremy Seaton, Kenneth and Bradford Winner, John King, devoted cousins, Janice Banks, Felian Bradshaw, Melanie Davis, Clifford Lisa Freeney, Mildred William Hilton, Bridget Johnson, Gay Kenny Key, Cynthia McLeod, Charlisa Russell, Yvonne Straker, Gail Washburn, Dr. Michelle Williams, and Carmelita Winburn, and many other cherished relatives and beloved special friends. Burial with visitation was at V.K. Ryan and Son Funeral Home, Columbia, Tuesday, February 27th from 1 to 6 p.m. Uh, the internment was at Pinecrest Memorial Cemetery in Columbia on Wednesday, February 28th at 11 a.m. Uh, in lieu of flowers, those desiring may make con uh, donations to the Hattie Harris Scholarship Fund at Mandel United Methodist Women. I'll read that last sentence again because uh, some listeners did write about being able to send a contribution to her family. Uh, the sentence from the obituary, uh, and again, it reads, in lieu of flowers, those desiring may make a donation to the Hattie Harris Scholarship Fund at Mandel United Methodist Women. Uh, that's from the obituary that was written uh, in February of this year. Uh, two things. Uh, I, one, I had known they're related. I had known Pam was having health issues. Uh, I did not know the extent. Uh, I think it had been mentioned. I think Ivy or another listener had asked uh, within the last two months or so about Pam. And I gave out her email and said that I had, you know, emailed to call. And I think I said then that she had been having uh, health issues uh, as her health problems continued, there would be gaps. Uh, I would write and or email uh, or uh, call, leave a voice message, and it would take longer to get a response. Normally it would be immediate. Pam was someone that I, you know, talked to, uh, would talk to on the phone, off the air, on a pretty regular basis uh, over the years. And uh, it was very unusual uh, for it to start being where it would take long periods of time uh, to hear back from her. And she would say, you know, I'm having some health up issues and trying to get myself together. She didn't go. That's why I said I didn't know the extent of it because she wouldn't go into detail. Uh, and towards the end of 2017, 
um, because I think we had a couple of programs that got postponed. One, I was having health problems and then I kind of got myself together a little bit and uh, she was still having health problems. And she had said, yeah, we'll have to talk so I can tell you more about, you know, what's been going on. And uh, we just weren't able to connect. Uh, and then I had stopped hearing from her uh, around the beginning part of the year. Uh, a couple listeners uh, asked, uh, and should be, uh, she passed away in February, obviously, it is August. Uh, I reported this on Facebook, I think, yesterday at the beginning of the morning, and I didn't hear from anyone who said, oh, yeah, I already knew this, you're late, I already knew that uh, she had passed away. I posted it on Twitter, and I've you know, seen comments and, and gotten emails and such from Lot, I mean, hundreds uh, of people, and I have not heard from anyone who said, oh, yeah, I heard this a long time ago, and, you know, you all are late, not paying attention, or whatever the case, so uh, I can only conclude that almost for everyone, uh, the last 24 hours or so is when they heard about this. Uh, I can only say uh, I did not know her full legal name. Uh, to do a search. Uh, obviously, I'm not in Chicago where she was a resident. Uh, I'm, you know, more than a thousand miles uh, away from her. And I think even a lot of other folks who uh, were concerned about her and asking about her don't live close enough that it would be easy to just go knock on her door and uh, see what's up. I didn't know any of her. Uh, I don't know any of her uh, family or relatives uh, to check. And I didn't know her full uh, legal name, uh, even in a macabre sense i did think man maybe i should check to see you know if something happened to her but i could not remember her full legal name i think in the entire uh time that i've known pam since 2010 uh, i think i might have one time had an interaction with her where her full legal title was used and that was on a, a package slip uh for a box she sent me years ago uh, and I still have the packing slip however it's at my residence flood uh, so that's about the only thing like I just didn't have access to the resources and it seems like a lot of other folks didn't either she didn't regularly uh, use her her full legal name for obvious reasons so uh, I suspect that uh, made it a little bit difficult for people to get access and uh, I suspect a lot of most other people didn't know you know her family or don't live in Chicago to have easy an easy manner to get access. In fact, the person who shared the information with me, her obituary, uh, said he had been trying for months uh, to purchase her books and had not been receiving messages back from her and had been, you know, trying to figure out, you know, he was trying to get the books and uh, after months of failure, found the obituary, which was not even in a Chicago newspaper. Uh, that being said, uh, tragic uh, completely. Uh, I, I can... Uh, I can only say uh, black health is extremely important uh, for her to pass at the age of 64. That is, I cannot capture, uh, disgrace does not do it justice. Um, tragic does not do it justice uh, to pass at 64. To say that is an indictment of white supremacy is putting it mildly. I mean, that is an extraordinary 
understatement, uh, if anything, a testament uh, to why we should have the same resolve that she displayed in writing those books uh, in succession and maintaining that blog while she was working uh, a full time job, uh, continuing to do as much as she could uh, to educate herself and to inform other black people about racism, white supremacy, to be very serious uh, and to just think of that uh, as much as we possibly can. Racism, white supremacy takes a lot from us. Uh, it takes from us all the time. Uh, and to have someone like Pam uh, to be gone at 64, that should be motivation right there. Let's be serious uh, about solving this problem immediately. In that same line of thinking, and this is in no way uh, a criticism uh, of any non-white person, certainly not any of her family uh, or friends who directly, indirectly contributed to writing the obituary that's at the uh, Columbia Daily Herald. Not a criticism of them at all, or any non-white person who contributed to this uh, report. Thank them for writing it. This is how we found out what happened. Uh, I will say, I have said uh, many times on the cows before, anybody who's been a listener to this program, uh, particularly if you started from way back when in 2000, uh, to 2009, I have said that victims of racism, especially those who devote their life currency to attempting to counter racism, you should write your own obituary. You should write your own eulogy. The work to undermining what you were about, if you dedicated to racism, white supremacy, it begins immediately uh, once you are no longer in this physical realm. Uh, at minimizing it, changing it, what you were about, your legacy. The Pam that I know, I'm just speaking for Gus T, not anybody else, and not a criticism, but the Pam that I know, the Pam that I spent hours and hours talking to for years on the air, off the air, the pan that I know would want it something to be said about racism, white supremacy, what it is, has done to black people. There is no way, no way she would tolerate having the final words said about her and racism not be mentioned. And I just based that on logic, evidence, and the time we spent talking, discussing this problem. She was an author that was noted. She wrote a lot. She wrote things that did not have anything to do with racism, but she wrote four books available on Amazon directly relating to racism. That should be mentioned. Uh, I think we are silenced. We're not able to speak. She said that. She said that in the very clip uh, that I played at the beginning uh, that, hey, I have a job just like, you know, most victims 
of white supremacy. And I do not think uh, it would serve me well, my interests, uh, if they knew everything about how I felt my views on white supremacy, racism on the job at minimum. Uh, once your time on this planet is done, then at minimum, that should be an opportunity. Hey, let it fly. What did you think? What was your thoughts? Your time on this planet, particularly if your time is cut short at age 64, in my view, by the system of white supremacy, there should at least be one sentence. And by the way, she did think racism was a big problem. And then we can move on. That was one thing that stuck out, and I am going to have to make sure that I'm saying that uh, more frequently, particularly if you spend any time talking about, writing about, investing your time and energy in racism, write your own obituary, write your own eulogy, make sure it is not misstated and that nothing is left out that you would like said when it is all done. I don't think Pam would have written that because I'm pretty sure the Pam I knew she would have got a comment in about racism, white supremacy, black self-respect. The Pam that I know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she, she had us all food for all those years, but I don't think that is the case. Anywho, uh, we do have hours and hours of audio. Obviously, not going to play it all, but I did want to try to play some of the uh, moments from her time uh, hanging out on the cows over the years. Um, let's see. I have a segment where she was giving some of her thoughts on the passing of Dr. Welsing, uh, which I thought were significant. Uh, just before I play that, I did want to give one bit of explanation, uh, the audio segment that we started uh, the broadcast with. Uh, that was from December 2010. Make sure I can at least give the dates as we go if people want to go back and hear the full archive. So the first audio segment that we started with, uh, December 2010, uh, where Gus T is explaining uh, why we are no longer working with War on the Horizon, uh, an irritated genie of Southeast who uh, himself admitted to working for Homeland Security. Uh, that broadcast, contentious at the time, I was threatened live on the air as that broadcast uh, proceeded. What a day. Anywho, uh, free, as was the case frequently, but that broadcast specifically, and, and the reason that I started with that, uh, in the midst of everything that was happening and how stressful it was for me personally and, and certainly unpleasant, um, she was, as she frequently was, the candor, refreshing. I thought she had so many logical uh, things to say without, you know, name calling or attacking anybody, just trying as best uh, as she always did to just uh, follow logic, following logic uh, and consistently talking about uh, just trying to make an effort for black people to stop bickering with one another and focusing on the problem and being honest. I think so many people over the years, they really appreciated her just making the effort, uh, making a supreme effort to be honest, honest with herself, honest with us, <laughs> that she was still learning. We're still learning. I think so many pre uh, people uh, just appreciated about that. It was uh, refreshing for me. Uh, and I definitely uh, appreciated uh, her support uh, in the midst of a 
very unpleasant broadcast that was unpleasant for many different reasons. With that, uh, this segment uh, is from January 2016. Pam the Great giving her thoughts on the passing of Dr. Welsing. Talked about spectators before, I think. Great point of emphasis. This is Pam, Context of White Supremacy from 2016. RacismWS.com should be linked in the description to the program. Uh, we'll get right to it, see if we can cover as much uh, as possible. Um, you and the, the post that I mentioned that's at uh, your website uh, in writing about Dr. Relsing, uh, you wrote, if we truly want to honor Dr. Welsing's lifetime of work, we must pick up the mantle and continue the fight for justice. We have to stop being observers and become participants. Find something to do and some way to make a difference. Even the smallest things, like an act of courtesy or kindness, costs you nothing and reaps spiritual dividends. One way to start is by changing the way we see and treat other black people. Black females stop mistreating other black females. Black males stop mistreating other black males. Black males and black females stop mistreating each other. Take the Pledge of Allegiance for black people and end the madness of anti-blackness for our children's sake. And you have that, uh, the Black Pledge of Allegiance for black people. And Dr. Welsing, she included this uh, in her handout uh, at the final Welsing Institute that she did uh, in December of 2015. I'll read that just because I think it's appropriate and then uh, get your response. Uh, the pledge, I pledge allegiance to, to my own black self-respect and to the respect of all other black and shades of black people on the planet Earth all of whom are victims of the system of racism, white supremacy. And I pledge to use all of my life energy, intelligence, and creativity in all areas of people activity to eliminate the global system of racism, white supremacy on planet Earth, and to replace it with justice so that there can be peace. So help me God. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing uh, comments on why you wrote this because a lot of what you include in this post is, is what you said directly allowing Dr. Welsing to speak for herself and including some of the things she said and video links so people can hear her directly but uh, just why you felt this was the thing to write this was the thing that you wanted to get across in your tribute to Dr. Welsing uh, Well one thing uh, is you know what I mentioned uh, as far as, as black people all of us to be participants and not observers. There's entirely too much observing going on. There's entirely too little participation going on. There's entirely too little support for each other going on. And so I feel that a lot of times we're doing a lot of lip speak to the things we say we believe, but there's no real evidence of that belief. If uh, we say we honor Dr. Welsing, how can we in the same breath do the same things consciously and continuously that she worked so hard to get us to try to see that we shouldn't do. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't do anything or they should be perfect or they, 
I'm just saying that how can we not make the effort? You know, nobody here is, is going to do everything that they're supposed to do. Even the things that they say they believe, they're not going to hold true to them. That's just human nature for whatever reason. And then us being prisoners within a system that is psychologically attacking us and attacking us and attacking us, and it's attacked us from the, from the womb until the day we're put in the grave, it's understandable that there's a lot of confusion, that there's a lot of mixed feelings, that there's a lot of anti-self and anti-blackness. My thing with people and the thing that I advise is don't worry about what the other person is doing. Start working on yourself. This is not about, because uh, I know a lot of times I, I, I have contact with people, conversations, emails from people who say, now I'm a counter-racist, now I'm codified. And I think to myself, well, what does that really mean? You know, that's just a label. What does it really mean? Is that reflected in your everyday behavior? And to be codified kind of reminds me of when people say they're saved. I'm a Christian, now I'm saved. And a lot of times when you look at their behavior, it, it is, doesn't bear any resemblance to a Christian. So I'm saying that rather than focus on what other black people aren't doing, and I know that's hard to do because I do it too, but the biggest focus should be on yourself. And that's what Dr. Welsing kept stressing was self-respect, not making people respect themselves. Not making people, you know, hold up to what your idea of respect is, but respecting self. That means the onus and the majority of the time and energy you should be spending, it should be on working on yourself because you can't fix anybody else. All you can do is try to be a better example and try to share information, but you can't fix anybody. And you really can't fix anybody when you can't fix yourself. So when I look at Dr. Welsing's words, it was a speech a, a plea, a speech to every person as an individual. It wasn't a speech to the masses. She was talking to everybody individually, saying that we need to work on ourselves. That's what she was saying to me. And so I, it's very frustrating for me sometimes when I see so participation. I do the blog. People don't comment a lot of times. Same handful of people. Now, you don't have to comment. That doesn't mean that you're obligated to comment. But it does say something to me about your ability to participate. You know, what are you engaged in? Are you just reading stuff and going away? Are you taking that information and using it? Are you buying her books and sitting on the shelf? Are you reading the books and not applying what she's saying? At this particular juncture in black people's lives globally, but particularly in the U.S., it's going to be required that we do a lot more than what we're doing now. And, again, I would stress to everybody, you got to start working on self. Don't become codified and counter-racist pointing fingers at people. That's not what Dr. Wells and Mr. Fuller stood for. They didn't stand for, for condemning other black people. They stood for trying to give us, they, they sacrificed their life for us. Context of white supremacy. Uh, Pam giving some of her thoughts. Uh, on the passing of Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, that was from January 2016, not spectating. And I can say that uh, she was consistent, uh, being Pam, she was consistent uh, about that and little bits of effort in terms of uh, participation. I remember she would talk about that uh, with other people. She would talk about that with Mr. Fuller. That was the one that I remember hearing uh, most regularly that, you know, Mr. Fuller has been doing this work for so long 
and you know trying to get access to other black people that he's given books away and such uh leave a comment go on amazon and just leave a comment uh how you know how long does it take to do that to help uh get some promotion she would always say those amazon comments they make a difference uh leave a comment here do something don't just take that information and uh sit on it uh and not share uh we need folks to be more active she used to say that on a regular basis that is definitely something that is near and dear to my own heart that call to not be spectators uh and certainly uh not having uh pam the great uh anymore who all the efforts that she did writing and coming on this program and other platforms uh certainly uh, that is a massive void. Other folks are uh, going to have to be active, uh, not just spectating. As I said, so much audio, uh, and certainly this is intended to make time. If folks, uh, any thoughts, uh, appreciation that they want to offer, I will be uh, stepping aside. I just want to make sure that we uh, give uh, just due to including some of the, the many times uh, and just outstanding bits of commentary that Pam has provided us over the years, uh, this audio segment is from the very first time that Pam was a guest on the cows. This is G July of 2010. Uh, Pam was extraordinarily generous and extraordinarily patient uh, because the first time in particular, now we have had tech problems for a variety of reasons throughout our time on the air, but uh, especially uh, the month that she was on, I still did not have my own computer at the time. I was having to borrow and all kinds of things to make the broadcast happen uh, at that time. Uh, and so the my audio for the very first time she was on the program was horrendous. Thankfully, her audio was crystal, so she could be heard. Uh, but it was a tussle, and she was super patient uh, through all of the disruptions and everything throughout the first broadcast uh, and had some great commentary to boot. Uh, so this is the very first time she was on the program. Somehow, even with all of my audio problems, there are some uh, pretty, uh, you'll hear there's some some awesome uh, sound clip drops in the middle of the segment. Some, some of the classics, uh, if you will, from the 10 years of the cow. Cheryl Judice, the great Cheryl Judice, uh, professor at Northwestern University, the time she was a guest on the program. Her work is uh, referenced uh, during this sound clip, but this is the very first time uh, that Pam was a guest on the context of white supremacy. July 2010, Pam the Great. And I think that if we focus more on ourselves and how we feel about ourselves and empowering ourselves and respecting and loving ourselves, it won't be necessary to dislike anyone. I do think, however, whatever we need to do, we need to stop having sex with, with white people. And I don't think that has anything to do with disliking them. I think it has to do with reducing the confusion and the contradiction because sex between non-whites and whites is a contradiction if anyone is seeking justice and liberation. You can't lay down with white supremacy at night and get up in the morning and fight it. It's just not going to happen. Hmm. A contradiction. Um, can you, can you uh, unpack that for us a little bit, a contradiction? Um, yeah, can you unpack that? Sure. Uh, I, I'll just give you an example of... 
you know, if we were discussing just a few minutes ago about how black people will appease white people, how their behavior will change with white people, uh, how they, we will say things, even agree with racist attitudes and, 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 and things to appease them. We don't want them to think that we dislike them. We don't want them to think this or that. We put on these false faces, and we talk about that a lot in the books, of the, black, the white identified black person, for example. Uh, and so now you've got this false face, and we can see it play out every day in our interactions. White people also wear a false face around us. So you've got these two people who traditionally and historically and, and routinely wear false faces with each other. Now they're coming together in a relationship. What is going to happen in that relationship, I believe, and in all of this is just my opinion, is you're going to have a falseness in that relationship. The black person is going to be trying to appease the white person by denying their reality. In order for them to get along with that white person, they have to deny their reality. Otherwise, there's going to be a conflict. Because even white people who get involved sexually or romantically with black people, they really don't want to know what you're going through. They really don't want to talk or hear about racism or white supremacy. They want you to pretend that you're not going through anything that that puts their group, their race, in, it, in a bad light. So that means to get along with them, you have to deny who you are, what you are, your history, and everything else. Now imagine these people coming together in a relationship with these false faces. The black person, to me, is at great psych psychological risk when they have sex with or marry and date white people, not because white people are bad people, but because racism, and white supremacy creates a falseness in that relationship automatically. And I've watched people who, claim, who think that they've risen above that, and they'll, they'll talk about racism, the liberal person. But in reality, if you listen closely enough, you can see that they really and truly are still, they still believe in white supremacy at the heart of it. So I personally think that um, if we have these falseness, this falseness between us, in very casual circumstances, what do you do when you get into a relationship? And it may be, and I'm not unwilling to critical look critically look at this. It may be a just a um, you know just a personal desire on my part to 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 to, to find a you know kind of soothing lotion so it doesn't feel so painful when it is that you're saying. So I'm not unwilling to look at that. That was uh, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr. He is a black male, uh, admitted recovering victim of white supremacy. He is the founder of the White Privilege Conference. Uh, Dr. Eddie Moore, Jr. is married to an admitted racist white female. Um, and I played that sound. I want to make very clear for everybody. Dr. Moore has been on this program twice. That sound clipped from uh, the cat, and I have played that sound clip back to him and asked him his thoughts on it. So this is not gossiping. Uh, yeah, just go back in the archives. You can listen to both programs. Um, what is your view on a non-white person who is having sex with a white person or racist, admitted racist, um, and says, you know, hey, we talk about racism. We're very honest. My white sex partner, we have discussions all the time. We work against racism, uh, different organizations. Uh, she, she, he admits to being a racist. Uh, we work, and it's not a contradiction. What would your response be? 
I would say that that's the delusion of the whole kind, that kind of relationship. Um, I would I, 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 what I found is common among some, not all necessarily, but I think most interracial relationships is those individuals usually. This is just my opinion. Date one white person after another, and so therefore, you know, that indicates a problem right there. Assuming that they haven't done that, I think that again, the best that it can get, as Dr. Fuller once, Mr. Fuller once said, is tacky. And by tacky, I agree with that. I believe it's superficial, and I believe I've watched uh, black people talk to people who consider themselves white liberals. And the, convers- the, the, talk, it, the talk is all good and fine, and, you know, we can all make things sound the way we want them to sound. But the behavior always says something else. If you watch that black person and that white person long enough or observe them over an extended period of time, you will see the falseness in it. You will see uh, the, the best word I can think of is falseness. You will see it. You will, I'll give you an example. I have a, a female relative who is married to a white man, and uh, I remember being a child, and he was a very nice person. You know, nothing, uh, there was nothing I could say bad about him as, a, as an individual human being, but I do remember this in particular when I was a child. One time this black man, and I forgot who he was, came by the house, and we were all at my mother's house, and my, my uh, female relative was visiting with her husband. And this black male walked in. Well, this, her white husband had never seen him before and automatically saw the, the tension in him. I saw the hostility in him. And I remember as a child thinking, what was that? And I then, as I got older, I realized he didn't have any black, black male friends. No black males were ever around. And so I make that point to say that this was a very nice person. He was a liberal person. He was a person that had been on the battle line. I won't say the battle lines, but he had been involved in in, uh, in some of the protests of the 60s uh, against racism. Yet and still, within him, there was this racism. So uh, whether this gentleman that you mentioned and him and his wife talk about it, I've overheard these conversations throughout my life, and I have to say overall they're superficial and phony. And I believe they're a form of, of, again, the black person and the white person in, in that dance of pretending, pretending to be something that they're not. And I think that, uh, quite honestly, you can't, I'll say it again, you cannot lay down with white supremacy and, at night and get up in the morning and fight it. Being in an interracial relationship automatically neutralizes black people's will to really fight it. And it also reduces your credibility. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute now. I would not, I would not follow them. I would Wait a minute. No. It reduces your credibility? You're going to have to deconstruct that a little bit. Okay. When I say credibility, I mean your credibility as a black, as a non-white person seeking justice in a white supremacy system. When you can't free yourself of the hold that white supremacy has on you, how are you going to free anyone else? A hold on me, and just I'm in a loving. Tr- Matter of fact, I will I will pass the mic. You can say this better uh, than myself, but supremacy. Uh, 
That's your right. It's clear to your listeners that in no way do I see these marriages as being anything other than legal, loving unions, and in no way do I think any of these marriages represent anything tragic. We should all be so lucky to be in relationships with people that love us. Interesting. That is Cheryl Judice, black female, and has never been mistreated because she is not white. I'm sorry, excuse me, that last part broke Racial up. marriage. White. She is the author of Interracial Marriages Between Black Women and White is a PhD of African American Studies at Northwestern University, and according to her own testimony, she has never been mistreated because she is not white. Again, the falseness. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean to insult anyone or uh, particularly someone that's not here to defend themselves, but right then and there, uh, I say on, on, on three points I would make about that is, one, she has a dog in the race. Uh, it's, she believes possibly, possibly, that it's to her benefit uh, because the, the publishing companies love to publish books like that. Uh, the media loves to interview people like that. And for a black person who sounds like they're over the age of 21, who can say who can actually say they've never been mistreated as a black person in my opinion automatically has zero credibility that doesn't mean that she has zero credibility just in my opinion that person could not advise me about anything to do with race if i was going to give my honest opinion uh to say that uh, these marriages are uh based on love and, and some are, and I'm sure there are, but it's interesting that these marriages uh, often have the highest failure rate. They end in divorce more often. I, we're working on the second book, which is about interracial, not about interracial relationships, but about black male, black female relationships. And during our research, we came across some interesting statistics, and one was that uh, the divorce rate for black male, white female marriages was twice as high as white male, white female marriages, and higher than black male, black female marriages. So um, what brings an interracial couple together in a society where race is everything, where we come to the table with preconceived notions of what race means, in a, in a nation where uh, white supremacy beauty standards are the norm, how can a black and white person come together and not come together in, uh, and, and race not be part of it? And, how, and for those couples that race is not a part of it at all, because I do not believe in the concept of colorblind love, because you've got to physically be blind, in my opinion, to not see the race of another individual. And in a white supremacy system, the race of an individual carries baggage. So when people claim that love is colorblind, what they're really saying is they're so color-obsessed that they have to be in denial. 
the cows. Uh, again, that was from Pam's uh, very first visit, July 2010. Great information. The book, The Interracial Con Game, didn't even exist at that time. But great information. Uh, I thought she gave in that segment. Uh, certainly that was a subject that was extremely important to her uh, enough that she you know would later write an entire book about it subject that we certainly talked about a lot uh on this broadcast uh and it reminds me of something that i have been thinking about quite a bit uh today uh and even yesterday a little bit um i don't know as i said before i don't know uh any of pam's uh family close friends uh any any of the folks you know who, who knew her uh, directly. However, we do have a, you know, a considerable bank of archives of her talking about a variety of things over the years. And uh, I know for some people, not everyone, but for some, uh, it is comforting or at least informative uh, once a person has passed, if it's somebody that you care about uh, and they've left pictures, mementos or whatever it is where it might be, oh, okay, these are some things where I can still see the person or I can still hear the person. I thought that might be of some value uh, to at least some of her relatives, maybe even at least one of her relatives. Uh, much less, uh, I thought that some of her family members, she talked about it, you heard in the clip, might be in tragic arrangements or certainly uh, some of her family not seeming to share her views on racism, white supremacy, which I think many of us can relate to. Uh, it might be that after not having Pam in the physical presence with us anymore, that some of them might be willing. Well, let's hear what she was talking about. Why does she spend so much time talking about this? And that's what I did think that, but I don't know any of these people. So I'm a little, well, one, I don't have any contact information to even, you know, begin from score one to reaching out to anybody per se, to email, phone call, whatever it is, uh, to say, you know, hey, uh, so sorry for your loss. Uh, Pam spent a lot of time uh, hanging out with us over the years and it might be of some value or some interest. Uh, you know, we have hundreds of archives at this point, uh, hundreds of hours uh, of her chatting away if you all are interested in, you know, hearing what she had to say or listening or whatever. I thought that might be of some value, but uh, um, I, I don't have any contact information, that's problem one. And then two, I'm hesitant because I don't know these people and it seems that at least some of them don't have uh, similar views on racism, white supremacy. And I fear it might be a, oh, you're that Negro that our sister used to talk to on the phone or whatever it is. But that that is something that came to mind. I don't know if uh, people have thoughts on that, but I, I it seems like yeah, if I had if I had contact information, that's something that it would seem like it might be the correct thing to do to at least offer and then, you know, leave it at that. Uh, with that, if folks have a thought on that, you can feel free to share. Uh, with that, uh, moving right along, this is from the very first time Pam was on the program as well. Uh, the area of entertainment came up and the reason as I was going through uh, just a very small sampling of some of the programs that Pam has been on. Uh, and I heard this and I thought, wow, it's, 
uh, so many things uh, that I'm sure much like Dr. Welsing, when you're talking about racism, white supremacy can have uh, different, you think about them a little differently after some time has passed. Uh, I won't even set this clip up. You'll understand the relevance to now uh, and what's happening August 2018 uh, and why I chose to play this segment from July 2010. Pamela Evans Harris, Pam the Great, her very first visit to the cows. This is addressing the area of entertainment specifically and anti-blackness. Okay. Uh, the question was, in making an effort to codify how black people watch television or movies, what do you think about always keeping in mind when watching a television program or film, how does this make me feel about black people? Do you think that would be a constructive question for black people to keep in mind when viewing television? Absolutely. I, I think it's important that we understand the system that we're in and that uh, everything, unfortunately, and some people might think this is extreme. I don't think it is. Everything is about promoting white supremacy, uh, from our images to television to education, everything. And the key is to see it when it's in front of you and to see it when it's disguised. And many times they don't even have to disguise it because they've got people convinced that it's just entertainment. So I absolutely think that uh, everything that you see, you're being programmed one way or another uh, because the images get into your brain and they're there. And so even if someone didn't intend to program you, they would be programming you because your, your brain is like a sponge. And everything that is, you hear and see is, is, is somehow it passes into it gets stored in there. And unless you neutralize it or reject it before it settles in and, and takes, takes root, it's going to be part of your conscious and your subconscious. So, yes, I absolutely believe that um, when you're watching anything uh, or reading anything in a white supremacist society that has to do with, that involves non-white people or white people, that you, you must recognize that you're being programmed. Do, uh, can you, I guess, share your thoughts on how black male and female relationships, how they tend to be presented in uh, the entertainment programming? Yes. It's a, it's, I've watched this over the last 20 years. Well, I'd say at least best, definitely the last 15 years. And I remember talking about it, and that was uh, they con the, the images is co are constantly combative, negative, uh, to the point where uh, they've evolved into a stage where black males and females are totally separated. If you watch the commercials, you don't see black men and women together. You'll see a black woman alone, maybe with her children. You'll see a black man in a, in a mixed crowd with white, with white females and white males and no black women around. Uh, they constantly divide and conquer us and call it entertainment. Uh, I'll give you an example on Donald Trump's The Apprentice Show. I'll never forget this. There was a character named Amarosa, and she was a, uh, the only black woman contestant. And they made I, – I was watching this show, and I remember thinking, why is she always so combative, so uh, always in a conflict with someone? Well, to make a long story short, after a while I started to realize she, was, she possibly was a plant in the show. 
and because uh, she was always in an argument, and she was she was just a character that 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 people disliked. Then I was certain of it when toward the end of the show, when the black contestant he was uh, named Kwame, he was uh, it, it, it boiled down to two people: a white man named Bill and and the black man named Kwame, and they had to pick from all the people who had been disqualified and eliminated. They had to pick their team toward the toward the finish line, you know, to to see who was going to win. At the end, Amarosa wound up sabotaging Kwame's chances of winning. <laughs> and when I saw that, I knew I said this is all. This was a plant. This was staged. And the and the way you can tell something is staged, in my opinion, is what happens to that person who was used as the as the tool of that of that uh, destructive image. They are usually rewarded. Sure enough, she was rewarded. She started appearing on other reality shows. Now she's got her own reality show. So to me, it's, it's you get rewarded for playing a certain kind of role, and that's how you can tell, in my opinion, sometimes when that black person has been used or allowed themselves to be used to create more destructive messaging and to create more destructive imagery. And I've seen it time and time again uh, where black people, the black male and female, will be at odds with each other. Or they just won't be together. And I think that uh, they've been very effective because now the state of war between the black male and female, which isn't really a war between us, it's a war of ignorance. We think we're fighting each other, but what we're really, what we're really doing is we're allowing ourselves to be tools of white supremacy. And so I've watched this, so this, this conflict between the black male and black female escalate and it's all by design. All by design. Context of white supremacy. Very interesting to hear that. 2018. Thank you for sharing, Pam the Great. Amarosa Manigold Newman. Next. Still the very first time uh, that Pamela Evans Harris was a guest on the cows, July 2010, uh, 909. I uh, was called in many, many times over the years to the cows. Uh, he dialed in to ask a question, and I thought this was a great response, especially I think sometimes we forget just the many manifestations. We hear uh, the primary weapon in the system of white supremacy is deception master deceivers you hear that uh, and i think sometimes we we don't have the imagination to capture all of the ways that racist deceit is manifest uh, and i thought this was a great exchange 909 called in pam with her response again all of this the very first time that she was a guest on the context of white supremacy july 2010 Uh, about the uh, entertainment as crack, I was just reading something yesterday. It was talking about um, the fact that they said the um, I think the the blacks are, are impo the impo impoverished. They're the um, uh, the most people that use this uh, wireless internet, this phone uh, internet for the phone, mm -hmm. and that basically Facebook and all these different um, you know things like. Twitter and stuff like that. Black people are like the main ones using using these these things. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Right, I didn't, I didn't, I, I said, how does, that doesn't make sense. Like, how can low-income people be the main people that's using this wireless Internet? Mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't, I didn't hear you. Okay. Well, yeah, when you said entertainment is crack, I just mm-hmm. thought of that, that, what I, that little thing. So, yeah, it seems like as soon as they come out with something to entertain us, we be, we be on it. <laughs> that's true. But you know one thing, too, is, Unfortunately, everything they say, we have to take with a grain of salt because everything is designed to create a perception, and we have to look underneath the the level of what we're being told. For example, they're saying that black people are using this and they're low income. Let's let's just play the devil's advocate and, and, and assume that that's not true. What is the impression given then that black people, even though they're complaining about being unemployed, even though they're saying they don't have money, how are they on the Internet? And that's the impression that you got was how can all these low-income black people afford it? Well, if you're trying to build up a consensus of reducing the empathy for the suffering, the massive suffering of black people who now have an unofficial unemployment rate of over 35%, if you're trying to build a consensus to make people less sympathetic and less empathetic by portraying these poor, poor black people as having these luxuries, then maybe that's the... That was the agenda behind that article that may or may not be true. I remember reading an article where they once said that uh, black people feel they're doing better under Obama or some such thing. And then my question was, what black people? Who did you poll? Uh, What was the purpose of that article? And then if I looked at it, I didn't believe it was true. I believe it was more misinformation. And that, again, was to make white people think, in these times of financial hardship, that Obama is helping black people do better than white people. So my point is simply that everything in the media, particularly when it deals with black people and non-whites, is designed to promote white supremacy. And if we know that they don't tell the truth, then we need to question everything they say and everything they write because we know that lies are being told context of white supremacy again with great sadness uh, paying tribute recognizing the passing of Pamela Evans Harris earlier this year we'll give ample time for listeners to dial in again uh, just my suggestion I think Pam would appreciate this Uh, she was uh, proud of her writing uh, her counter racist writing any of the listeners, if you have uh, any of her books, uh, if you have a passage that stood out for you uh, that, you know, really helped you get a better understanding or that you thought was was really well written uh, or just meant something to you, uh, if you want to dial in and share, uh, that would be awesome. Or if you just have any other thoughts uh, that you would like to share uh, in tribute uh, to Pam, we will get to you shortly. Uh, just one more segment, and I, I just thought that was so important because she, she emphasized that so frequently in terms of black people being empathetic with other black people, uh, that when we're white identified, when we're seeking white validation, generally we have very little sympathy uh, for other black people uh, and trying to reverse that, being more patient, being more understanding with 
black people, including ourselves. That was something that she emphasized on a regular basis and having a healthy, robust suspicion of things that are talked about news reports. She talked about that on a regular basis uh, when they would uh, do reports and say that uh, black females are the least attractive or least desirable and nobody just any of these anti-black type reports to be uh, extraordinarily suspicious. Before I get to the next clip, <clears throat> which is not from her first visit on the program, this is uh, an exchange between Pam and Justice. This is from December 2011. This is just for context. This is the very first time that Pam was on the program to discuss the book, The Interracial Con Game, uh, which a book which uh, I wrote the book jacket. If you have the book, you can look on the back and boop, Gus T. Anyway, uh, this was the very first time that Pam was coming on the program to discuss the interracial con game. It had, you know, just been published uh, a few weeks uh, previously, right? Just out. And she comes on the program, Justice asks her questions, or uh, she asked more than one, but this is, this exchange is primarily around one question. So many listeners over the years, or excuse, uh, so many guests, white and non-white, over the years, articulated uh, rage, disgust, displeasure with justice being on the program. Uh, justice, I would say, from ages 10 to 15. Not all, but a myriad of guests and even a, a healthy number of listeners uh, were, you know, outraged, not satisfied, found something incorrect about a child or non-white person of her age being on a program to discuss white supremacy. I didn't agree with that stance then. I don't agree with it now. VGQ. That said, Pam was not one of those uh, guests who got outraged. How dare, you know, you have a 10-year-old on to ask me to get really haughty uh, about, you know, being asked questions. And particularly, uh, just keep all that in mind as you listen to this exchange. This is a published author coming in to talk about their book third published book, mind you, and the first time, like the, the promoting of a brand new book uh, being questioned. Let me make sure I get my math in the ballpark. <laughs> so uh, this is the end of 2011. So she would have been almost 12, not quite, but almost 12. So having an 11 year old uh, come in and ask you uh, multiple questions, but this one question in particular uh, and classic classic. Uh, Pam the Great Justice. This is from December 2011. Uh, I was listening, <clears throat> excuse me, I was listening uh, to the conversation and uh, I heard someone use the term uh, um, inter, uh, interracial and uh, I was going to uh, read something um, on uh, in Mr. Fuller's uh, word guide and ask uh, a question to Pam about that. Um, is that okay, Pam? Yes. Okay. Um, in Mr. Fuller's word guide on page 176, it says, do not use this word. Uh, reason. Well, okay. Um, interracial, do not use this word. 
uh, reason, the words interracial, multiracial, racial, um, uh, the, um, the words interracial, multiracial, racial, uh, in- integration, uh, racial segregation, etc., are words that serve no purpose other than to promote greater confusion in the thought, speech, or action that should be designed to replace white supremacy with justice, balance between people. According to compensatory counter-racist logic, and as long as white supremacy exists, the word race applies to those persons collectively who practice white supremacy. Uh, Have you uh, ever heard um, anything like that before? And uh, why do you use the term interracial in your book title, Interracial Con Game? That's a really good question. Um, I believe I have. I do know I'm aware of what Mr. Fuller says about race, that there's only one white, white race. So I guess taking that into account, if there's only one white white race and a black person and a white person are sexually involved, would that, would that mean that the term interracial would be uh, incorrect? And I have to admit, I'm not really sure. I mean, I could defer to the wisdom of Mr. Fuller. Uh, to say that I have it clear in my head, no. Um, I find that, again, you know, I'm still trying to, um, I'm still trying to learn and trying to figure some things out, but at the same time, I realize that a lot of the people that read our books, uh, you don't want to give them incorrect terms and incorrect concepts. But at the same time, is it wise to totally throw out the language that people are used to hearing? So I would say that was something to consider. You know, you you make a really good point. Um, And honestly, I have not read the word God, and I keep telling myself I need to read the word God because that might make a difference, or that would make a difference in the phrases and the, and the terms that we use. Um, you know, the only answer I have for you, Justice, is that's something to think about, um, how this interracial work if there's only one race. And maybe with Mr. Fuller, he comes on tomorrow. I may, uh, I'm going to try to see if I can stay up long enough to hear him. And I'm going to ask him that question is uh, maybe he can, you know, expand on what's incorrect about interracial. And if using the term interracial is something that he feels is a real confusion factor. What do you think about uh, the word interracial? Um, I think that... um... Um, well, I don't use the term, uh, um, I, I do not use the term, uh, interracial, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, only if I'm asking, uh, well, only if I'm asking a question about it, but, um, uh, I just think that, you know, um, uh, that there's, that, uh, interracial just promotes, uh, um, confusion and that, you know, um, I don't, uh, and I think that, um, you know, uh, uh, as far as uh, I have, uh, well, white people, they say, well, you know what? 
well, which to confuse non-white people, you know, they, they, they say that, that, um, there is an Asian race, a black race, um, a, uh, a brown race, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which, um, which I've concluded there's only one race and, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I believe that, uh, Gus has also, uh, uh, concluded that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's interesting because we say that in the book and then the title of our book is interracial. So, you know, it, you make a you, you make a good point. I mean, it's uh, you know, that's that counter racist grind. You know, just really being careful. First of all, learning what words mean, and then being careful about using them because the confusion is part of the reason that white supremacy has been so successful. So that's something to think about. You know, I'll have to. Uh, you just really kind of gave me a little more motivation to read that book, and uh, perhaps in the future to try to, uh, you know, really carefully think about the words that we're using. Context of white supremacy. Justice. Pam the Great, uh, December 2011. This was the first time we were talking about the brand new book, The Interracial Con Game. And that was... The exchange, and I, I think that right there, uh, I think, is one of the best illustrations. Uh, I think so many people over the years talked about uh, just uh, they always appreciated hearing from Pam, most importantly, uh, because they felt she was so uh, truthful, so honest in uh, sharing her views, uh, in sharing, talking about areas where she was still learning, talking about areas where maybe as a result of still learning where maybe she changed her opinion uh, on some topics uh, and just people appreciating her being uh, so open, so honest uh, through years uh, of her coming to comment and, and about herself, you know, personally, things that she had gone through and areas where she was still growing, still learning. Uh, I think just a really great illustration uh, of that in that exchange because I think a lot of folks, a lot of authors uh, coming in to talk about their brand new book, uh, they would have gotten an attitude uh, with an 11 year old, yes, asking them, you know, questions about their use of terms uh, and the title of their book, no less. Like, wow, just what an exchange. With that, uh, we have hours. We could be playing audio uh, for weeks of Pam uh, and just her commentary here, much less her commentary on uh, many other platforms uh, where folks were also intelligent enough to ask her to come and share a word or four. Uh, But we will pause here. Uh, If you have comments, thoughts, appreciation, feel free. The number 641-715-3600. Four zero, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. I'll give out the number one more time uh, and then hit the phone lines before I do. Uh, several folks on the Facebook page uh, had talked about. It would be constructive uh, and a great tribute to read one of her books for the book club. And I 
agree like 5,000%. Uh, I think Black Love is a revolutionary act. That would be the book that I would pick for us to read first. Not that we can't do more than one, all of them. Just saying, if I was going to pick one to start with, that would be it. And I think we asked her this question before. I think a listener asked, like, if they were going to start with one of her books, which one to start with? And I'd want to say it was Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. I could be incorrect, but um, yeah, I think that's the one that we should start with. And we'll be finished with Barakun this week, so uh, we can start Black Love is a Revolutionary Act next Friday. Uh, obviously, there is no audiobook of Pam reading that text. Uh, I guess in, in the spirit of Pam, if I was going to be completely honest, I think this might be a book that she would maybe want Gus to narrate uh, because uh, she did confess on air to being a fan of Gus's voice, which many people have. Um, I would be delighted to read the book, but I'm not sure that I could maintain uh, composure for that would be like months. It'd probably take like two months for us to read it. I'm not sure that I could uh, maintain composure to read it correctly so that I would sound the way that she remembered me uh, sounding. Uh, certainly not at this point. I don't think uh, I am composed enough yet to narrate it. So if we have any folks uh, who would be willing to read, uh, since I read her material all the time and she was a fan of that. I don't think she would have a problem if a black male wanted to read the book. So if we have any folks who are down to narrate, that would be outstanding. Uh, if we read another one of her books, I should be composed enough by then to maybe I'll read Interracial Con Game. I think she would be OK with that. I'll do Interracial Con Game after we've read Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. Uh, number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND, press star 61 if you would like to participate. Also wanted to make sure uh, it was included, uh, and I requested they some of the folks might be calling in. Uh, Pam uh, was so generous. Uh, she always mailed me a copy of her books uh, free of charge uh, to read so that I could prepare uh, for the programs. Uh, she did this. In fact, she did this the very first time uh, that she was going to be a guest on the program. She didn't know Gus T. I don't think she had heard our archives or anything. Boop, got a book in the mail for free to prep for the program. And now I have, uh, I think, like three or four uh, signed copies of her books. So lots that I will not be able to loan out. Uh, but her generosity, it extended way beyond Gusty and the Cows. Uh, Kamali Academy, uh, this is a independent uh, black operated school for black children. Uh, Pam donated books to Kamali Academy uh, and they were amongst the legion of folks expressing their condolences and sadness upon learning of uh, her passing earlier this year uh, and sharing that she had donated uh, books to Kamali Academy and how appreciative uh, they were for her generosity. Just 
that was Pam. That is why we are uh, taking time to pay our tributes. Uh, and we'll be starting, uh, hopefully next Friday, reading Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. If we have a willing narrator or collaborative, I think we've done that before. We had multiple people pitch in to do the narration. Uh, with that, we will get to the phone lines. If you could watch the background noise, if you know you're in a noisy uh, environment, that would be much appreciated. Uh, yeah, we'll get to the phone lines and folks can share their uh, thoughts, observations uh, on Pam. Uh, let's see, first few folks who dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, ma'am. Is this Ivy? Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers on the line. Um, just want to pull up my notes. Like, man, Pam, the beautiful. This is horrendous. Um, I want to thank you, Gus, for um, for ha for having this show, this program. And um, yesterday, I I couldn't um, I couldn't stop crying um, when I found out I had just finished listening to her on uh, the program with Dr. Ball. Seconds after that, I went to my Facebook and saw that you know that she had passed, and um, immediately um, someone else had hit me up on Facebook, and as I was responding to them, I was angry. And I've never been angry about someone passing away unless I believe they were murdered. So that was the first. Um, and I would say that you're absolutely right. I was going to say that as well, that, um, you know, the, that racism, you know, this, this problem and solving this problem meant so much to her. And, and I was tripping off of the fact that it wasn't in the obituary as well. Um, I think that, it would have been a lot to her for the cows to be mentioned, for you to be mentioned, for, for the callers to be mentioned. Um, I think that the titles of at least those four books that she wrote on racism should have been, um, should have been mentioned. Um, I remember actually on the, on the Dr. Ball program, she had said to you that um, you, you hit her up about another show, to, about another program to have, and she was like, yeah, I was just about to respond to you, but then um, I started listening to the program. Um, so it was like she was just showing when – I, when, I, when I heard her say that, it was just like, man, like she listens to this program a lot. Obviously, she came on it a lot. Um, it just meant a whole lot to her. Um, and I, I never got a chance to, to call in and, and talk to her. Um, I wish I had, but I did have an email exchange with her. Uh, back in 2016 and actually maybe 2017 as well. And the first time later on, I'll go into uh, how that what, what that was like. And she she just helped me um, in a lot of areas because I, I I hit her up to, to ask for help. And I just felt a a connection um, to her, and uh, I just felt like she was she was just I felt like she was for me because I'm black, and um. Uh, I was for her because she's black. She's a victim of um, of racism, and um, she would say 
when she would say, we need to do this or we need to do that. I just, I, I felt it and I believed her that she meant we and she just, she just cared about victims. And she just, it was like she was like family. And um, she was a teacher for me. Like just the, one of the, the, the clips that you played about when she talked about the differences of where, like in movies and stuff, you don't see black people and, and black men and, and women together and, and, and things like that. And you see the separation or there's always combativeness. I learned that from her. And it, it made me start paying attention not only to what I was seeing, to, but to what I was not seeing. And I remember when she specifically talked about um, Tyler Perry movies and, 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 and why black women, we really should stop supporting that because we are the main ones supporting that and that we should because we don't see ourselves in those movies. We don't see ourselves paired up um, with black men in those movies. Um, she just, she was so brilliant and she was unwavering in her, in her boldness and in her, in her stance. Um, and she, and, and just about white people being the problem. She just was, she was just so bold. And even though she was so brilliant, she was so humble. And even like being older, the interesting thing is she was in her late fifties to early sixties the whole time that she was um, on the, on the program calling in and being a guest and all of that. But she sounds so much younger than that. But in terms of her wisdom, she sounded about her age. But even as an older person, she wasn't one of those people who was so set in her ways. She was humble enough to adjust her behavior, as you pointed out, and as she demonstrated on, on the program. And yes, other people have gotten mad at justice for the questions that she's asked. And, and, and Pam was just so humble about it. And I remember um, she learned about, you know, criticizing other black people like President Obama, former President Obama and things like that. And she just, you know, really changed her behavior. And I remember 909 said to her that he, he felt that that was <laughs> sexy when she, you know, was just willing to change her behavior like that. And she was very, very transparent about her shortcomings. And that was just absolutely um, incredible. And I'm almost going to close here that, man, one thing about her, man, she – she was a sweetheart. Man, she was a sweetheart. And I just, you know, made a, made a creator comfort you and, and everybody who was impacted by her. And I'll just ask this in closing, because um, I may have to say it later, but I was going to read a passage um, from one of her books, but I don't know how long I've been talking. I was just going to ask, do, do, do I have time to, um, to, to, to read that? It was the definition of a white identified black person. Let's hear it. Okay, let me pull it up. Okay, it says, um, okay, from the interracial con game, a white identified black person is a black person who views the world through a white perspective, even when it conflicts with his or her own self and group interests. A white identified black person pursues interests, activities, and relationships primarily because white people are associated with them and often avoids and looks down on certain people, places, and things primarily because black people are associated with them. White identified black people can be found anywhere at every income level from the most exclusive gated community or Ivy League campus to an inner city housing project. This part that I'm about to read right now was my favorite part because it showed how we all 
are white identified to one degree or another. And what she said was how a black person sees black people. Talks about black people. Treats black people. Feels about being a black person. And treats white people. Determines the degree of white identification. I'll meet my mind. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. Much, much obliged, Ivy. Uh, was that you, Thomas, in New York? Your volume is uh, substantially low. Hold on. Yeah, I got some real cheesy, um, cheap headphones. Speaking of so, um, man, I read your post last night because you said you had a show coming on, you know, midweek during the weekend show, and I said I couldn't believe, you know, I mean, I know we hadn't heard from Pam in a while, and um, you know, I was just hoping, you know, for the best, but. Um, you know, she will be missed. I love talking to her. Her commentary was always on point and um I consider her expert in area eight, um, in the way she used logic to break that down. Um you know, one thing we do know is that this promise, um, to everyone. Everyone has an expiration date. Uh however, um Pam was one of those people who will live forever because she put out art. Um, her work that, um, you know, people will be able to go to even after she's um, her demise and read and um, be able to learn from her and um, know who she is. So uh, what you said earlier about the obituary, uh, man, that was compelling because you were right, you know, no mention of her, her passion, uh, which was definitely racism if you go to her uh, website or if you ever listen to her on the cows or her books. Um, and, um, you know, of course, family members don't always, um, I remember her talking, um, quite extensively about, you know, having family members and friends who didn't agree with her views. So, um, you know, they wrote the obituary and you don't get that passion that she had in it. Um, uh, she'll definitely be missed and uh, I'll let you go to the next close. Russ. Thank you. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, Thomas in New York, uh, Rob in Wisconsin. Now in San Diego, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, from Wisconsin, uh, calling from San Diego, um, and I uh, just got the news from uh, Thomas in New York. Uh, greetings to everyone on the line and uh, Gus, the host. Um, and I just wanted to uh, send my condolences. Uh, Pam was a uh, example of um, a positive black female. Uh, for me. Um, so every time that she would come on and share commentary, uh, it was greatly appreciated. And it is uh, females like Pam and uh, just this platform in general um, that gave me the confidence to um, make the move uh, to San Diego where I am now. And uh, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you for taking the call. 
much obliged. Glad to hear. I think Pam probably inspired uh, lots of folks who read her work or listened to her where on whichever platform. Uh, I think she probably inspired uh, a lot of folks. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings. Yeah, um, we'll take retired yeah, firefighter. Yeah, I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I uh, kind of like just tuned in not too uh, not too long ago, and uh, I was informed uh, about the uh, passing of uh, of Pam and. Uh, basically basically uh based on the uh the the information that i that i uh received uh because i went through experience witnessed anyway a similar process i i was wasn't surprised but uh, uh i would just say we all uh have uh a uh, quote unquote one birthday and uh, a death day. And in between those two days, uh, you try to do the very best that you possibly can. Uh, and I would say when it comes to uh, the studying of the global system of racism, white supremacy, uh, what it is and how it works, and the attempt to counter uh, that system based on uh, the uh, knowledge of a person. I would say that Pam uh, did uh, work at that mission uh, during her lifetime. Uh, I, uh, based on what I've been listening to uh, and plus from what I think I've heard her say, uh, sometimes there is, uh, and it's actually, it's understandable on the global system of racist white supremacy that even amongst family members, uh, there's not going to be a same or similar understanding of the global system of racism and white supremacy. But that, that's what it does. That's exactly what the system of racism does. But nevertheless, uh, those of us who are on this line, uh, have had the pleasure, had the uh, the benefit of being able to listen and share with this person, and uh, that's a uh, actually as a benefit uh, to be able to do that. And I'm sure some other people that we do not even know that's had that experience. Uh, so I would say that she fulfilled her mission. Uh, and, uh, I just have to say, based on the, based on the, uh, photograph, uh, uh, not only, uh, a, uh, beautiful person in, in her behavior and thought also a beautiful person, uh, photographically, uh, uh, and, uh, 
which is the, just, uh, it just all comes together, you know, because in your mind, when you hear a person, you, you have an imagination of what that person looks like. Well, I would say she fulfills what, what I assume she looks like uh, by looking at the photograph uh, of her. But uh, uh, just wanted to uh, express some of my thoughts. And uh, maybe I get a chance if I have some other ones uh, later on to be able to express it. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter. Well said. Uh, other folks who dialed in that we've not heard from yet, if you have a hand up, proceed. Um, yes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I remember when I first discovered um, context white supremacy, it was shortly after I found out about Neil Fuller. And I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of, I'm kind of confused. I don't know who I knew about first, Neely Fuller or context of the white supremacy, but it was all around the same time. But my first time calling in, and I remember y'all, I don't know if y'all still have this, but I remember y'all used to have like a cat line or something like that. And I remember I was, um, Pam was talking. And I and in my first words, my first actions of being engaged with the context of white supremacy was me making the comment, you know, you on fire, Pam. You know what I'm saying? Um, she was saying a lot of truth, you know, a lot of things that I that that spoke out to me and that I connected to that made me connect to the context of white supremacy, you know, and I say if it wasn't for Pam, if it wasn't for um, you, if it wasn't for Nita Fuller, um, Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, rest in peace, all of them, um, if, if it wasn't for our listeners, I would not have progressed from where I was. And I already thought that I knew it all you understand and so when i called when i got called in i quiet myself you know and i remember i had the you know i could I, I when i first started coming i kind of brushed shoulders because i didn't understand you know the code you know um and i'm still probably don't understand a lot of it but i definitely did not understand it at that time and so it was like I had to slow my roll, be quiet, listen, and learn, and just to, to make it short so other callers can get in, I just like to say, um, if it wasn't for Pam, if it wasn't for Gus, if it wasn't for Neely Fuller, who Lord knows why I'd be. You know what I'm saying? Because you all gave me the equipment to be able to go out and engage white people in my everyday activities, whether it be at work, whether it be at um, the beat, while I'm paying the beat, whether it be, you know, just anything, you know, it, I, I would not have been able to, I don't think, engage this world in the way that I am right now at this current time in my life. 
and I really appreciate um, you all for that. Some things I might be listening, missing out on that I want to say, but I'm just cutting it short out of respect of the cause. Thank you. Caller in Alabama. Much obliged. Good to hear from you, sir. Uh, other people that have a hand up, if we've not heard from you at all, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Well, hi, guys. Um, this is uh, Dr. Mania. Um, I just wanted to say um, I send my condolences to um, our Pan's family. And um, I remember asking you, you know, what happened to Pam. I haven't been a listener of your show um, for long. It hasn't even been a year since I've been um, introduced to your show. Um, and, um, you know, Pam has been one of the um, my favorites because I've um, listened to I think close to 700 episodes. I listen to you every single day, your show. Um, Pam, she was just, you know, such a down-to-earth individual. Um, I really, really enjoyed and learned so much from her. I was totally shocked. I just learned about it today from your um, Facebook post. Um, I was saddened by it. And, um, you know, I just, um, you know, like you said, it's just a system of white supremacy. It just takes us up out of here. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful for um, you, you know, for you um, having this platform and for opening up my eyes um, for me to be able to um, learn what I'm learning and being exposed to um, the guests. Um, if it wasn't for you, I would have not um, known anything about Pam. So um, that's basically all I wanted to um, say. I just wanted to send my condolences out. And um, now we know why we did wasn't, you know, because I I thought it was kind of um, suspicious why she, you know, she was pretty close to you. And I, you know, noticed from the archives that she would always contact you. So I, I kind of was thinking like something had to be wrong when she wasn't, um, you know, getting back to you. So um, um, I'll mute my line. That's all I have to share. Thank you. Much obliged. Much obliged. Um other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, ma'am. Evening, Princess. Well, good evening. Good evening to the callers. And I don't know. Um, I think I'm like the other caller where I. Initially, I was at work um, when I saw the message that she posted to your page, and it, I I couldn't really focus, but I, I was just trying to understand the article because I thought I was misreading something, and I was trying to figure out, well, was this a misprint, like, um, or something? I don't know, but... Um, it just got me very angry because it just seems like, um, I don't know, nobody didn't care to let us know or what was going on. Um, and it just seems like the only time we can come together is in death. Uh, it just seems like it's, I know that, you know, that's used in a stereotypical fashion, but sometimes it, it seems, it, well, not sometimes, it just seems like 
it's manifesting itself that way that that this is the only time we can come together and give out condolences or something and I I don't know, I just don't deal with uh situations like this too well. Not under these circumstances. But um uh she was definitely very influ influential for me. Um uh talking about interracial relation interracial relationships and you know the psychology behind it for the victims as well as uh for the white people and um that that's all I can talk about right now but I just hope as black people we can do better in that department much obliged Uh, again I just wanted to say I got the impression from the times that I spoke with Pam over the years that I I seriously doubt that many of her family members are cows listeners I could be totally wrong but that's just the impression that I got from many many conversations with her some of which were on the air and are in the art some of which you've heard in the audio clips already so uh, I think it may have just been that they wouldn't have even known that you know oh this group of people uh, associated with this podcast uh, are concerned about and you know would be grateful to know you know what's happening with her I think it might have just been that they wouldn't even you know know about uh, us that was the the general impression that I got but I could be wrong uh, Stacy from the UK joining us live. She's normally with us live for workplace racism, uh, but she is joining us live today, almost 3 a.m. Thursday morning, London time. Uh, good to hear from you under very uh, tragic circumstances, Stacy. Oh my gosh. Can you hear me? Your volume is a little low. If you could speak up or maybe get a little closer to your mic. Give us another sentence. Can you hear me now? Yes, much better. Okay. Um, yeah, hello to you, Gus, and to the rest of the callers. Yeah, I was listening anyway, um, so I thought, um, with respect to Pam, I should at least um, add my condolences and um, uh, join the call. Just on the last point, Gus, I don't know if you actually did mention it but you were saying that you didn't know how to get in contact with anybody from the family I was just wondering if maybe by reaching out via the funeral home hello yes ma'am yes ma'am I did I okay I thought about that uh today uh perhaps seeing if they left contact information for the family and that's why I went I said I had Two points. I don't really have a direct line of communication. That's about the only thing that I've thought of thus far. Uh, and then two, I was also hesitant, be- as I just said, I got the impression that her family is not like their cows fans. And so I don't mm-hmm. know how receptive they would be to some strange black person calling about a deceased relative and particularly calling to say, oh, yeah, she talked with us about racism a lot. Do you want to hear some of those archives? Does that make sense? Does that I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, there's some sensitive stuff about you know, her experiences of her family's identification that might be challenging for people to hear as well. But I was just thinking about that anyway. 
Um, yeah, I just wanted to call in because I was quite shocked, like everyone else. Um, and at the beginning of the year, Gus, when you were out of contact, I did email Pam and she got back to me to say that she hadn't heard from you. Um, but it's just ironic that that was probably a month later that she passed away. Um, so it's just unsettling in that regard. I mean, I don't have anything else to say that is different to what people have already said in terms of who Pam was and the impact that she made and just her sincerity, which I think is really what comes through. Um, and that compassion that she has for everybody and that ability to acknowledge her um, areas of growth. So yeah, I, without holding up the line for everybody, I guess the last thing to say is that I actually came across the cows via some clips of her programs. Um, and they really did help get me through 2013 when I was going through a particularly difficult time at work. And it was via those clips that I even found out about the context of white supremacy um, and I'm able to join this program. So, yeah, I just appreciate her contribution and I'll keep my line there, Gus. Much obliged, Stacey. I know uh, Pam, she had lots of non-white people, victims of racism, uh, black people all over the world uh, who appreciated her efforts, read her book. If you uh, read uh, any of her books, she would include uh, like some of the correspondence that they would send her, some of their experiences, she would include them in her book. That was one thing I think too, she tried to encourage people. As I played in the audio clip, she tried to encourage black people particularly to not be spectators, uh, writing anything that you can do. She would encourage other black people to write, including uh, Gus, uh, to do anything, anything that you think would be beneficial towards solving the problem of racism, white supremacy, and helping black people solve problems. Uh, she really was about encouraging that. So I know uh, it's not just uh, victims in the state uh, who are saddened to hear about her passing. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from at all, if you have a hand up, proceed. Hello, may I proceed? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, uh, moving from Kansas City, agreeing to the host and to the callers. Um, yeah, I, I really, I'm not very good at, at these, at, at saying words, but I, I don't want to be a spectator because I, she, she was, um, I've been listening to the cows for, for a few years now and always look forward to hearing on the program or just when she would randomly call into the program. Um, if one word I could use to describe her was just clarity because she spoke about things that helped give me a lot of clarity. I appreciated her dialogue on her insights on the city of Chicago. I believe she was a native of Chicago and she would speak about the situation there, how black people are treated, even about some of these suspected races who are um, ruling over that city. And there's one thing she said that stayed in my mind ever since then, 
and uh, you know I'll, I'll share it. But she did say like she notices that black people seem to be moving, be getting pushed further and further outside. It's like they're being pushed. I, I don't, I can't quote her, but she's like as if they're being pushed out into the country, as if they're being put back on plantations or something to that effect. And that particular train of thought it rocked me. It just, it just, it, it really made me think. And and I think she brought a lot of people clarity on a lot of things. And um, and I think a previous caller mentioned that even though I didn't know how old she was but I thought she was maybe late forties, early fifties. She, she had, she had so much knowledge. So I didn't think she was young, a very young person, although she, she passed in my opinion young, but something Dr. Cambon said about people, like he, he said something like people between 28 and 34 are the ones who can change and people who are 40 and over, you know, really don't change. And I think about that constantly in my interactions with victims of racism about how we just, it's hard for us to change after our minds have been cemented. But Pam was one of the only victims, very few victims of racism that I know who, while not being, you know, between 28 and 34, was so malleable in her thinking and constantly would sometimes even talk to things. And, and she would call and ask questions, not because she knew the answer, because she was seeking that answer, seeking truth. And that, to me, it really it stuck out to me. Uh, I hope that one day when this is all over and we solve this problem, um, I, I'm, I hope that her information and her books that she wrote will be a part of the pantheon of information, which helped out it, helped get us to that point, because I feel that it will. And, yeah, I'll take, I'll take my call offline. Thank you. Peace. Well said. Well said. Much obliged, uh, caller in. Kansas City. Uh, those books again, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, The Interracial Con Game, Trojan Horse, Death of a Dark Nation, and The Beauty Con Game. All of her books. I am uncertain how best to proceed about getting her books. I, I read great commentary from a listener who talked about getting her books uh, added to the local library. Uh, so that people can go and, and check out her material and read it, which is, you know, fantastic. Uh, but I'm unsure how to proceed uh, with the purchases because I think she may have been the person sending out some of the books. I think the person who sent me the obituary uh, said he had been trying to get the books and had been having difficulty. So I'm not sure about the best way uh, proceeding to get her books. I know she was working to get e-copies up, so that might be the better avenue uh, at this point, the electronic copies, which should be on Amazon. I can double check. Uh, people have questions about that. Uh, are there other folks who have uh, a hand up that we've not heard from at all who have commentary? Can I be heard? Uh, codified software developer in Wisconsin. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I don't know how appropriate it is for me to speak because I did not get the opportunity to um, experience Pam while she was on the program. I have, though, listened to quite a few of the archives that featured her, as well as some archives in which she called in. And she has said some of the most profound things. Um, and she has said some of the most honest things. And it's, it's, I'm deeply saddened by this because I was looking forward to 
having her on the program and, and being able to actually speak with her. Um, I think it's a great loss. Um, that's all. That's all I have. Thank you. Tremendous loss. Uh, thank you. Caller in Wisconsin. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you, if we've not heard from you at all, if you have commentary, proceed. Did we nab everyone? Did we get everybody? Anybody we missed completely? Yeah, we heard. Yes, sir. Greetings. Uh, Big Victim, Alabama. Uh, yes, Gus. Um, I, I did a lot of miles with Pam. She helped me out a lot getting down the road. Uh, and to Ivy, need you to be strong, Ivy. Ivy, you have a strong spirit that comes through the it comes through every time I listen to you. Uh, time for you to step up. Uh, thank you for being my friend on Facebook. Um, and to all the callers, you know, Firefighter, Ross, uh, Thomas, I listen to a lot. I like to listen to all y'all commentaries and everything. I got a little down in the dumps when I went to that to that lynching national lynching um, museum. It was very traumatizing. Um, but I I share that. I'll get back on my counter racist grind, Gus, and I share that at a, a later date. But it was. When I say that, I'm not saying that to discourage anybody to go see it, but for me, it it, it was very traumatizing. And when I, you know, oh, man, it took me there. But back to Pam, Pam, Pam had a strong spirit that came through the phone and everything. I mean, when I listened to her and everything, she made, you know, she just had, she had that spirit, you know. It reminded me when my father, when my father, my father died. I'm originally from New York. And we moved, we moved from, when my father died, my father died the same way. As soon as he retired, about eight months into his retirement, he passed away. So my mother, my mother's from Epps, Alabama. So when he died, we moved to Alabama. And that's when I really, you know, that's when I really knew that when I moved to Alabama, I knew something was wrong. But, you know, being young, I couldn't put it in the words and everything, but I just felt it was just God. It was like it's like what you say, God awful Alabama, you know. But but now you know, listen to the cows and everything. I it, it brought you know, just like the way the cows context of white supremacy. It made it made me put everything in the context. 
And uh, I'm just saying to myself, I guess I'm just going to keep keep on working till till I croak. It seems like when you do, black people do retire. Once you sit back and relax, you mess around and die, you know. But um, you ready to get back on my grind, everybody. And uh, Ivy, little victim, keep your head up. Be strong. Thank you for letting me share. Good to hear from you. Uh, big victim in Alabama. Uh, our caller, I had mentioned it previously, the Kamali Academy. Uh, Pam being so generous, I think we have a representative who called in, and then we'll get uh, Mr. Scotty Reed as well. Uh, is this uh, one of the associates with Kamali Academy? Yes, it is. How are you, Gus? I spoke to you years ago when my son was still going to Kamali Academy because we did a radio show. Um, and I don't know if Pam was on that night, but, uh, greetings to all the callers. I usually don't really call in. I'm super shy. That's the only time I ever talk, but I'm a long time listener. And I had to call tonight. Um, like I made a point to call tonight. Um, Pam did, Pam is like the auntie that I never met because she helped me interact better with black men. I never had a problem with black men, but sometimes you don't know you have a problem until somebody calls it out. And when I got the book, um, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, I had uh, bookmarks in it, highlights in it, everything. And um, just having more coups in how I talk, um, because I've always been less confused growing up in an area where it's like super racist. I've always been less confused. And I'm just so sad that I have to call like this and not really talk to her myself. Um, and yeah, she sent books to Kamali Academy, which was super generous. I already had my book. I had um, the Trojan horse. She sent that to the children. And um, we're super grateful. Um, Kamali Academy is not around anymore. Dr. Samari moved to Africa. He lives in Nigeria, not Nigeria, uh, Ghana. He lives in Ghana now. So um, those books were really important. Those kids got to take it with them. A lot of them are in public school now. I still homeschool my children. Um, and I plan to let them read all Pam's books that we have. But I wish that I didn't have to call and not be able to talk to her. Um, because she did change my life. Like, um, my husband that I'm married to now is a victim of a tragic arrangement. His mother abandoned him. So I had to learn how to maneuver around him. He only knows being a black man, but he doesn't feel... Like he belongs anywhere. But having Pam have such a calm energy helped me be able to listen to a woman that is less confused, which I don't have. And um, and she kind of guided me without actually needing to talk to me. And that has been really important, not only to him being less confused, um, but to me being able to be in such a different type of relationship. Like even... Just when I walk around, I make sure I smile at black men because I don't know if anybody smiled at them that day. Um, uh, I have not been able to maneuver around white people yet, but at least she helped me with the relationship. I still don't have a whole lot of coups, especially with work, workplace racism. I just had to leave a job, actually, because of that. But I am so grateful to her for being so generous and to the cows in general. I've been listening since, like, 2011. And this is so important. And I know that it has changed my life. Um, 
having the kids be able to have a a show that they can talk on, like, oh, wow, this radio show is called in our school. That, even though we as adults know that's not normal, that this is a rare thing, we made that normal in their lives to have someone send books to them. And, like, that's normal to them. Um, and I hope that there is an afterlife so she knows how many people that she impacted. And that's my deepest regret now since I heard is that I could not tell her. I'm a firm believer in giving people their flowers while they're here. Um, and I'm really upset about that, that I couldn't tell her that she's so important to us and how much she's needed, especially for black women that have a family that don't understand it yet. And you feel like an alien because you see all these things and everybody's ignoring it. To have another woman that, like, yeah, like, you know, I call them pink zebras. You never see a pink zebra. It's so hard, especially in Louisiana, to find less confused black women. And especially ones that don't, that can look past all their traumas with black men and write a book like she wrote. It was so articulate and so well written and so on point that it has to be my favorite book because we really don't look at our relationships and that's all we have at this point is each other. And although I know that Dr. Neely Fuller is like, well, you know what? You probably shouldn't get together until you can. Or um, Dr. Francis Cresswell has said the same thing. You probably shouldn't get together until you're able to, until you're older. But that's not always our reality. And we need to learn how to interact with each other and not see each other through a white lens, like to deactivate our white chip. And she really literally helped a lot of black women do that. And I don't even know if she knew that. And I'm so sorry that I'm so shy and I never called in because I used to pray that she was on every show so I could just hear her voice. Um, I was trying to keep myself composed, but I don't like having regret when people pass away because there's nothing you can do. You just have to live with it the rest of your life. So I'm sorry that I wasn't composed. I really was trying to, but... Like, like seriously, like in my soul, I wish I had talked to her. Because um, doing this kind of work, you need that confirmation that you are making a difference. Because a lot of times, fighting white supremacy, nobody's going to build a statue for you. Nobody's going to thank you. And as many times as we can say thank you, we need to. While, um, like, these revolutionary people are here. And I wish I had, and I wish I could do more. But, um, well, Gus, since you're here, I'll tell you that I really appreciate everything you've done with this show. It's not easy when you don't feel like it, when you're sick. Um, you you think of creative material, who to interview, things like that. And I thought I was less confused until, until I started listening to this show. And um, it helped us a lot with how we help the children be positive. Because we can't erase our traumas, but we can start from scratch with the kids, have them be confident. Um, I don't know what else to say because I'm not getting over this being emotional. I'm not straightening myself out. So I apologize, everybody, that I didn't have more articulate things to say, but I am super emotional right now. Um, she was very generous. And just not only by sending those books, but just by 
taking time to help people when she doesn't even know if she's helping them. A lot of people probably never came around and told her like me. But you just keep putting everything you have out and hoping that you help someone. And that is the most generous type of people on this planet, and we should cherish them, and I will forever cherish her. So um, that is all I have to say. I will meet my line, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to me ramble. I talk a lot. Um, so thank you, guys. Um, and I hope, like I said in the message, I hope the most high is pleased with her, because we sure are. All right, I'll meet my line now. Much obliged. Uh Many listeners down in Louisiana, uh, much appreciation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to call in and uh, give uh, some well-deserved kudos uh, to Pam, well-earned and uh, extremely satisfied with her with her work and contributions, uh, enormous contributions and generosity uh, towards solving this problem. Uh, Mr. Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network, uh, also one of those who was intelligent enough to have Pam on his platform to share some of her views. Did you have a comment that you wanted to get in, sir? Thank you for being patient. Oh, no, no problem. Uh, greetings to you, Gus, and all the callers. To the last caller, you was not rambling. I was really feeling what you were saying. Um I was introduced, like most people um, on this call tonight, to Pam and her work through this program, the context of white supremacy. I was also a subscriber to her blog. And one of the things that I liked about Pam, you know, as far as my interactions with her, is that she was very open and she was very honest. And when she would uh, publish something and I would get it in my uh, emails because I would subscribe, I would write her, email her, ask her questions, and she would answer, okay, and, and would be open and honest. And, you know, we've had uh, some dialogues over the, over the years uh, through email. Um, while she helped a lot of people with their vulnerabilities, she also, what, what really come to my mind was she was also vulnerable, too, and she shared that. I never knew what Pam looked like until tonight, when, unfortunately, I found out through Gus Publishing Tonight's show that she had passed away. And, and I had, had no idea, but I had never seen her. And so I do remember her one time sharing that her vulnerability and because and, and I should put it like this, her trauma from racism and white supremacy, she was open about it on relationships. And I remember her saying, because I'm a light-skinned woman, sometimes when black men would approach me to ask me out or whatnot, I wonder if they're only attracted to me because I'm light-skinned and I'm not a dark-skinned woman. So you know, that spoke to me of her own vulnerabilities and the trauma she suffered from racism and white supremacy. And I purchased her book. The occasion that I interviewed her about was her book, The Beauty Kind Game. I purchased that book for my youngest daughter, who was a teenager at, at the time. Well, she's still a teenager. She just turned 19, but she was 15 at the time. And she started wearing blue contacts and putting in 
blind weave and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, I did my best to communicate to her, um, you know, why I thought that was incorrect behavior. We know for those of us that have children, especially teenagers, that they're not always open to what their parent has to say. So I purchased the book and I gave her the book. And it took about a year and a half before I can get her to actually read the book. But she read the book. And she no, she no longer engaged in that behavior because I guess she could see it from a non-parent's and a, a black woman's perspective, the incorrect behavior of trying to um, uh, whiten her appearance. So Pam will, will be missed. I do believe in the afterlife. I do believe that there's another plane of existence and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it, um, but we will see them again and, and hopefully, and hopefully we'll see them again. But that's all I wanted to share her contributions, um, duly noted, and she will be greatly missed. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Reed. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, contribute to the program. And in fact, it, it reminded me. Like I said, the, Pam was here so many times. Uh, there were so many moments. I think I even have a sound clip of the very moment Mr. Reed is talking about. This might be, we'll see if this, if this, if I have c picked the correct sound clip. Uh, I might have uh, down memory lane of the cows, Pam, and even Black Talk Radio Network founder, Mr. Scotty Reed. Got that good hair too. Good hair. 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 You got that good hair too. You like what? I like girls with that light complexion look. You're a moron. I can't help it. What being a moron? Yeah, that too. You're the first one out there with a dashiki talking that crap. I'm a victim. Good hair. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. One of the reasons why I wanted to write a book on racism, actually, and positive uh, black racial identity was because in my family, uh, I have children, in particular nieces and nephews, who are, um, I obviously I have black nieces and nephews, but I also have nieces and nephews that would be classified as being mixed heritage. And what I discovered when I was, um, you know, working and, and supporting uh, these children was some of the conversations that I overheard the younger ones in my family having about color. And I began to be very disturbed when one of my beautiful, beautiful, I mean, if you see her, beautiful nieces at age four came home and told me that she didn't like her blackness. She didn't like her skin color. And in fact, she was wondering why it is she didn't have a whiter skin color. Now, I'm out there as a community activist and I'm, I'm there on the platforms internationally and nationally and 
up and down the country talking about these issues and trying to organize and work. And within my own family, I discovered this. And I said, no, this cannot, this cannot work. I have to start doing the repairs, the self-repairs in my own family. And so it was that experience, very personal experience, that was also very painful for me. Because as much as, you know, we're trying to do the work, the reality is this thing is deep. Sister Pam? Uh, yes. Yes, I'm here. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share something with you. Um, as you know, I purchased your book recently, uh, The Beauty Con Game. And I shared this story on, on Facebook, and it just made me laugh. You know, I t- I'm reading the book, and my daughter that um, lives with her mother comes over on the weekends. And so she came over this weekend, and I gave her the book. She said, why, why did you give this book to me? Is it because I was wearing those blue contacts that time? And I said, no, but now that you mention it, yeah, here's the book. And I just thought that was really cute and timely. And uh, I do appreciate uh, you writing that book. Wow. So it didn't turn into a a, a knockdown, drag-out battle? No. She just asked the question. I didn't even... I just handed her the book. I had my own reasons, but I hadn't... You know, I did not know how to talk to her Uh about... Because I noticed the, the, the... blue uh, contacts because her mother would wear them sometimes. So I know where she was getting it from. You know, the long, straight hair weave and, and all of that stuff. And, and I just started noticing that she was coming into her own as a teenager, as a person, that she was suffering from that that um, that, uh, that, Ill, that mental illness of, of not wanting to be black or thinking black is not beautiful. Okay. And I know that comes from her mother because her mother was verbally abused. She was the darkest of the child, of the uh, grandchildren, and the grandmother used to call her, you so black, you so ugly. I'm, I'm serious. And so I knew her mother was suffering from what her mother had told me. And so I know that's where she started picking up wearing blue contacts and wearing this and wearing that. And so when I handed her the book, I didn't know how to talk to her about it. I tried to get my older daughters to talk to her, and, you know, they did. But when I handed her the book, she said, is this because I had those blue contacts on that time? And I said, no, because I wasn't even thinking about it. And, and I said, no, but now that you mention it. So she's reading a book. I told her she can't take it home because I needed to do the interview with you. But um, as soon as I'm through with it, you know, she can take it home. Context of white supremacy, spring 2012. That was the introduction to the very first time that we talked about the beauty con game 
the first voice that was Esther Stanford Cosay, uh, Stacy's part of the world, the UK. Uh, she was on talking about the exact same problem worldwide, a system of white supremacy. And then you heard Mr. Reed, founder of Black Talk Radio Network, talking about his what you just heard. And I didn't even plan to play that. I remembered it. I didn't plan to play it, uh, but I remembered. I thought it might have been sound clipped and voila. Uh, did you want to add anything, Mr. Reed? Are you? Um, yes. Um, thank you for playing that clip. Again, it just uh, highlights the importance of the work that Pam was engaged in. And I, I just hope, you know, that those that she impacted in a positive, constructive manner will carry on her work because these people, these are, are, are the great revolutionaries among us are not dead unless we allow them to die by not carrying on their work. So thank you, Gus. Well said, Mr. Reed. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from at all. If you have a hand up, Line should be open. Uh, proceed. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, um, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm not sure where to start. Um, I, I think, um, I, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been kind of weird um because i uh I'm, I'm a recent like new listener to to the cows in like most like in a year and um i i felt um i felt the the helplessness of um of of racism and, and white supremacy and i i wasn't I wasn't sure where to where to really start and um, how to start, but I, I just searched and I just kept on searching. And the clip that you played earlier, in the I found in the archives where she spoke and she she just she. I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but it was something that just I wasn't even in my mind of just just engaging one another on a positive level from day to day, um, just being kind to one another. Um, I, and that has opened, um, that has opened up a lot of things for me as far as, um, understanding, you know, the stress that we deal with day to day. Uh, also I, I, um, I was in a, a tragic arrangement and, um, the the things that she brought to light as well as um, other podcasts that I listened to but it it enabled me to start making moves and transition myself away from that and seeing the power dynamic the control um, and not only in that relationship that I was in but other people who were in tragic arrangements and exactly what she said in, the, in the, the clip you played earlier is exactly what almost everybody I've 
I've met that's in a tragic arrangement says is that they don't discuss race. And um, <laughs> when um, when she brought that up, I, I just thought it was, it, it, she just hit it on the head and she she was able to speak about things that I didn't, I, just, I didn't have the words for, but felt. And that enabled me to, to start to search more and, and become less and less confused as things progress. Um, and now I, I um, you know, I, I'm at a point where I, 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 I thought that she was going to be eventually coming back on the line. I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask her about fear and, and about combating it day to day. And um, I think uh, I think I think just in listening today, I kind of I've kind of grasped an idea of basically just don't stay on the sidelines. Um, whether it be something small or big, you do just don't stay on the sidelines. Make something happen no matter what it is for for non-white people that that's positive with whatever skill set that you have um, and that could be as small as just opening a door for somebody that's non-white um, I I I am um, I'm sorry I'm sorry to hear her going uh, uh, that's all that's all I have uh, I'll I'll mute my line. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for sharing, sir. Uh, if it's one one thing that I just want to say quickly before we uh, move to the next person. Uh, since it's been shared a lot today, people saying that they you know were hoping to have an opportunity to ask her a question. Certainly, you know, newer listeners and such uh, who just finding out about all this information, but <clears throat> I've heard that a lot from different people. I heard that from some folks with Dr. Welsing, uh, people saying that they missed out on an opportunity to uh, ask her questions. Uh, I know it, it's just, it's a pattern that I've seen for <clears throat> years uh, where for a lot of different reasons, sometimes we feel intimidated about asking these questions, especially if it's going to be uh, on a live platform. Uh, or calling the person because we don't know, you know, if they're going to be <clears throat> courteous and, you know, they might get a lot of people uh, who call or ask questions or what have you. I know with Pam, she was super encouraging and receptive uh, and warm and greeting to people who had comments, questions, even people who disagreed uh, with things that she said. I think Mr. Reed shared some of that, uh, but she would engage if people had questions or didn't agree uh, with something that she shared. That would happen live on the program all the time, but she encouraged that uh, and she appreciated when folks uh, wanted to contact her to ask questions, even if it was just for clarity. Uh, about something that she said or something that she wrote. Uh, just do not assume that these folks, anybody, uh, is going to always be available to you in the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, if you have a question, uh, even if it's just thanks, uh, if, if you just want to make a point of thanking them for taking the time and energy to produ produce whatever it is that they did that helped you, uh, and you want to make a point of saying that, Go ahead and do that uh, because it's in a system of racism, white supremacy. There is no guarantee 
uh, that you will have that opportunity. Even if that non-white person is still alive, uh, racists have a variety of different ways of disrupting communication and making things difficult so that you don't have the same resources. Uh, you might not even uh, have the same priorities uh, from minute to minute hour to hour, day to day in the system of racism, white supremacy. So if you have the opportunity uh, to ask a question, drop an email, call in, do so, do so, at least in that small way, do not be a spectator. Other folks who dialed in, if we missed you completely, if you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. All right. Um, this is uh, Henry from Chicago. Um, been a listener to the cows for about two years now and i remember calling in a couple of times when uh, pam was on the show and she is definitely uh, a chicagoan native i remember asking her some questions about chicago and she knew right off the bat what i exactly what i was talking about uh, as far I'm, I'm not sure what her academic background is but it i mean it it seems like she was uh, very much, uh, she was very much educated in, you know, in the psychology of racism, you know, from my understanding. And it's amazing, you know, if, if she's not, you know, in that academic field, it's just amazing how observant she was and how she was able to, you know, express it, you know, to the rest of, of the people, uh, you know, that she talks to. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's very, uh, you know, it's very sad to hear about it. And I remember, uh, the other day when you posted it online on Facebook, uh, I was actually shocked. Um, but, um, you know, the thing is, is that uh, I think the best way to honor, you know, to honor her is to, you know, she has, you know, she has written material. You know, you have hours and hours of uh, recordings from her. Uh, the best way we can honor her is to take her work, understand it, and put it in action. Uh, and, you know, that's the best way to do it. You know, I, I really appreciate her leaving her work behind because it's there and all we need to do is basically understand it and put it into action uh, to replace the system of white supremacy with justice. Uh, that's all I have on you, my line. Much obliged. I know we had a number of uh, Chicago listeners who appreciated uh, her commentary uh, on that particular part of the world. We did quite a few programs that were specific to white supremacy in, in that area. Uh, anybody else that we missed completely that we have not heard from at all? Hello. Yes, um, ma'am. I am calling from North Carolina and I have been listening to the cows probably over a year. This is my second time calling in. And I just remember when Pam was on the, uh, there was one episode or where the Oreo experience, I don't remember that young, the non-white female's name. And I just remember how compassionate she was for that young lady. And at the same time, she, uh, the young lady had a, uh, she was very confused, but she also still made an ex uh, a point that the young lady was an example of why we need to start being counteractive in, you know, teaching our children about racism, white supremacy, because of the result of the Oreo experience. 
how she did not want to have children and she was very spoke very anti-black and she had very wide identified and I just remember that and it also brought up um, even people in my own family who encouraged that I too should be wanting to marry a white man because that way I would have pretty children so she was very constructive I thought she was brilliant very intelligent, very straight to the point. I, I I was shocked. I was at work and I look at my phone and I just saw on my Facebook that she had passed and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I just knew that I wanted to be able to share also about how what she meant because I know that this show and it has encouraged me to read and more. And also I have even had influence with my brother's uh, girlfriend's father, who's also all the way in Ivory Coast, West Africa, of his the perception of white people and his identity as a non-white black male, including my brother, who had experienced severe racism at the NC State. Um, so this year is definitely, it's much bigger than you, Gus, is much bigger than just the callers calling in. It's it's catastrophic. It's is very, very, very much needed. And I'll mute my line. Thank you. Thank you for dialing in, Mr. Reed's uh, North Carolina. Uh, and thanks to folks for sharing. Uh, you certainly, anybody, if, you know, Pam, you valued what she had to say, her writings or some of the commentary that she shared on this program, share episodes of her on the cows. Uh, I mean, wow, you can pick a variety of subject matters, talking about the Chicago school system, talking about President Obama, uh, talking about black male, black female conflict, uh, talking about interracial, quote unquote, interracial intercourse. Uh, man, the gambit, long list of subject matters uh, that you can pick out, share, tremendously constructive information uh, in my opinion. Uh, is there anybody that we missed completely that has a hand up that we've not heard from? Uh, caller 5262. Did you have commentary? 5262. Oh, I guess this is... Uh... This is William. I wanted to call in and say uh, um, thanks for your support. Um, and um, I was also wondering about Pam for a long time. I've been listening to your program for a very long time. Um, very long time. I just never really have the time to uh, call in and speak. But um, about such occasion should be one of those moments I do. I'm extremely shy. <laughs> but um I just wanted to for all those who uh maybe look up to town have been given their uh, uh their stories. Um she you and to have inspired me to write a book. Um I actually have uh Sent a book to you and to her to get your guys' opinion. And um, 
And that, that's just one of the many memorable moments that uh, I want to call in and, and speak about. Um, I just can't believe that uh, someone has just been with the program for such a long time has transitioned over. And um, geez, I don't even know really what to say. I just just wanted to say my prayers uh, with her family. I'm praying to them, and uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm just very glad, but I appreciate uh, you being able to have that information to give to uh, give to your listeners. So. I think that's all I have to say. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate the show, uh, the program, and um, I'm proud to work Sam and the family. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you for dialing in. I'm glad you were able to share your writing with Pam. Uh, as I said, she, I know she, she did a lot to try to encourage other black people to not be spectators, to write. I know that was really important, something that she was passionate about. And uh, I even talked to other black people that said, yep, Pam, would get on me about write. Even if it's just a blog, write, do something. Uh, I wanted to uh, give her the last word uh, with an audio clip. Uh, when we wrap the program up uh, but before we get there I wanted two things to see if uh, folks had any other uh, comments that they wanted to get in before we get to the audio segment and also uh, if folks think it would be worth the effort uh, even if you know even if just one family member says yeah I would be interested in hearing some of the archives of what Pam had to say on your nutty podcast, let's, you know, send me some links and, you know, I would be interested, even if one family member, if folks think that that would be worth it, then uh, if folks want to like work on finding contact information for the family, I can do the funeral parlor suggestion, give them a call and see if they have uh, contact information. But if people think that that would be a worthwhile pursuit, does anyone think that would be worthwhile to, to do? I do. Yes. yes, I do. I think it would be worth it. I think Me too. The cows might possibly have might have one of the largest repositories of all of her speeches. And if so, it would be worth it. Well, uh, if folks think it would be worthwhile, I can give the funeral parlor a call and see if they have follow-up info. If any people want to look at that obituary uh, and maybe do some searches on the names to see if you can get an email, a social media page uh, that seems like, yes, you found the right person. It's matching up geographically with the information in the obituary and that sort of thing. If you see, if you can, you know, look at their timeline, if they have any postings about Pam's passing back in February or any time this year, uh, that would be great. Uh, it would be helpful if other folks would, you know, are willing to do that part. But I will definitely give the funeral parlor a call to see if they have contact information. And then once we get a name or something uh, to reach out, then we can go from there. I'll update uh, on that. Can I be heard? Retired firefighter. 
Yes, uh, I'm just speaking from just recently uh, going through a, uh, a similar experience as a family member of someone very, very, very important. Uh, I don't see where it would uh, be anything wrong with uh, inquiring to the uh, the family. Uh, they may not. They may not have. Uh, full information on this uh, uh, amount of information, research, and participation that she uh, has had. And it may be, it may be interesting uh, to them. Uh, one thing we do know, they are, quote unquote, non-white victims of racism and white supremacy, regardless of what their thoughts and opinions are. And uh, to introduce it to them, I don't see any penalty in that at all. <laughs> and uh, one may be surprised on what would be the uh, reaction to it. You wouldn't know unless you unless you uh, uh, bring it to them. Sounds good to me. Logical. Logical. Uh, there any other uh, comments that folks wanted to get in? Have you heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and yes, just to uh, to echo what the firefighter said, I mean, I, I would love um, to be able to hear the voice of uh, my loved ones who have passed away if they had all of this uh, recordings, you know, like you have, like you have. And um, I want to say to Big Victim, thank you for your encouragement, and I'll definitely follow your advice and try to step. Um, step up, and, and um, it's been an honor to be a friend of yours on Facebook. I want to say, um, when I talked to Pam through email, uh, I was asking her about the white friend that I had, um, how do I find out if she's a racist, and uh, she she was telling me about um, just the, the exchange that we had and, and, and the patterns that she saw with the things I shared with her um, of how, you know, it's just it's, it's a textbook racist, just the, the things that uh, my my former friend was saying, and she told me that I should ask her, uh, "What do white people say when no, no non-white people are when no black people are around?" Like uh, Dr. Welsing had advised, and she was telling me how Dr. Welsing advised that, and that I should, I should use that. And I was using confusing terms at the time. I was using words like prejudice and African and European as opposed to racist, black and white. Um, and she she called me on that, and she she helped me with that, and she was telling me like. You know, it's it's not about it's not about that, and it's not about prejudice. About you know, a system that is is, is designed to, to to terrorize and, uh, and oppress uh, uh, non-white people. And uh, we talked about her getting on Facebook, and I asked her, you know, where can I add her, you know, online, um, and just you know to be able to connect with her. And she was saying that you know she's not on Facebook, but that she would consider it if she didn't have to use her real name. And I told her how people, some people, they don't use. Uh, either their real first or last name, or they just may use one of them or something like that. And, I, and the last thing, I had uh, told her that someone had, I think it was the interracial kind game on this website called Scribed, S-C-R-I-B-D. Um, they, were, they were still in her book. And I told her about that, and, um, and I told her how um, Mr. Fuller had, had been successful in getting his code book taken off of there because they had put it up there illegally, and she said that she would contact them and tell them to take it down, and if they didn't, that she will report them. And uh, that was it. I'm in my line. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. Thank you, Ivy. Uh, were 
there was there anyone else who had uh commentary that they wanted to share? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh greetings. Uh I just had to send my condolences to um to the cows or the listeners and um without the ether because Sam was an exemplary guest and um uh to what the last caller said I think I found Pam on Facebook. Um, and I confirmed after I found the news, um, uh, in, uh, in on your, your page, Gus. And, um, so I could send that to you, um, those details. Uh, but I just had to uh, give my say and, and I, uh, we're all better for hearing from her. And I, I think the sending her voice to the family might be a good gesture. Uh, that is all. Right on. Looks like we're in uh, unanimous agreement. Send the voice, uh, sending or at least making an effort to contact the family. Uh, were there any other folks uh, who had uh, commentary that they wanted to share? Everyone satisfied? Did we nab everybody who had commentary they wanted to share? Grant, I will assume uh, everybody is satisfied, at least for this evening. Uh, we certainly will have uh, much more to say about Pam. Hours and hours and hours of archives. I mean, wow. Lots of time talking about of I think she was even here uh, the day after the current president was elected. I believe Pam was the first person on uh, to give commentary uh, and thoughts about uh, who was going to be President Obama's successor. But wowie, hours and hours of, of commentary in the archives. You can go back. You would learn a ton. Anybody who's confused about what the cowbell means on this broadcast, if you go back and listen to some of the programs with Pam, I think you will figure it out quickly. That said, uh, there are many things uh, that could be added uh, in terms of audio clips or additional uh, comments, praises uh, for Pam. I just want to allow her to speak for herself. Uh, as we wrap things up, we will be here uh, tomorrow for Workplace Racism, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Teacher training is done. Uh, so that's how we were able to do the program today. No teacher training. That's what I've been doing my the last two months with my Wednesdays and Fridays at this time. Uh, but the book club will be back to normal time this coming Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We will conclude Barakun. Looking forward, I'm sure we will have... Um, Lots of opportunities to continue to pay our respects to Pam and reviewing her work. As I said, uh, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. Uh, that should be the next book that we read on the book club. And uh, if we have any folks, if you would like to not be a spectator, if you have the time, we need a narrator for Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. That would be a great use of time and energy. And then I should have myself together to be able to read the interracial con game. So we'll have two of Pam's books 
in the archives. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, make sure. Oh, we did have a few people who wrote in. I'll make sure I get their, their comments in. Uh, uh, let's see. Number one, this is from uh, Tenny B, formerly Minnie B. I wanted to send my condolences to the family of Pam and share, share my sadness with the listeners of the cows as well. Pam was an awesome contributor to my efforts of becoming a codified and aware black person. Pam was very earnest and modest with her advice and honest about her process of still learning. I will miss her in, uh, I will miss hearing her future contribution to the cows. I am grateful for her books, blogs, and her contribution to the cows archives. May Pam rest in peace with admiration and respect. Sincerely, Tenny B. Uh, we also head in. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is one of our investors, black female listener. I'm corresponding to share my experience of Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, first edition. At the time that I purchased the book, I was more confused about what racism, white supremacy is and how it works. Concisely, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act assisted in providing me with more clarity in reference to how black males and black females attempt to relate to one another. Although I was literally sobbing by the time I finished reading chapter six, the information provided about the sadistic behavior of white women enslavers really stood out to me. I was thankful for her excerpt from Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet A. Jacobs. For whatever reason, I have been very emotional about Mrs. Pam, uh, Miss Pam's transition. Her attempted counter-racist efforts impacted me enough to incorporate in the work that I'm attempting to do through music. I was looking forward to sharing it with her upon completion, but it is what it is. May she travel well. Thank you for allowing me to share. Uh, and we even had uh, one of our listeners in the Chicago area said they would be willing to try to reach out to contact family or contacts uh, that is much obliged. Uh, you can just drop an email until justice at gmail.com if anybody gets uh, contact information uh, that thinks, hey, this is something you should pursue uh, to let them know that the archives are available. Uh, with that, we will have much, much more to say. Uh, tremendous loss, uh, but certainly she left, like Dr. Welsing, a lot of information uh, to study, learn from. She would certainly appreciate people. You can go on Amazon. They do have her books on uh, Amazon, so it looks like you can purchase, purchase uh, copies there, uh, at least for the time being. Uh, you can share. Certainly the archives are available. Be active. Uh, Pam would not want us to just sit on this information. Uh, if we claim that she meant so much to us, she would want us exactly as has been stated, implement, implement, demonstrate in our conduct and how we treat other black people, including ourselves, what Pam meant to us. With that, uh, we will give her the final say. You can visit her website, racismws.com might be a, a constructive idea to perhaps leave a comment. Oh, I'll make sure in case people are dialing in late. The caller at 4757. Did you have a, a comment? Just making sure I didn't miss anyone if they wanted to get in a word on uh, Pam. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, 
I did not hear all of the programs that Pam was on on the cows. Um, I do recall one, however, that uh, it it actually frequently comes up in discussions with my partner. Um, it was an episode about Chicago, um, where I'm also from, and Pam was talking about an area of Chicago uh, known as Cicero, where I think in the 70s, 80s, sometime in the past, it just was regular for the racist white supremacists in that area, um, and it's a predominantly white area, to just, just abuse black people, basically. They come into the area, they get beat up, and all that sort of stuff. And I remember being shocked by the information because I didn't learn that until I left Chicago. I didn't hear that PAM program until I left Chicago. And in fact, when I think about it, there was a lot of uh, things, there were a lot of things she was talking about that happened in Chicago that I wasn't aware of while I was there. And when I really think about it, I did not know who Fred Hampton was until I left Chicago as an adult. Um, and I guess what that, that all, I bring it up often because it makes an impact on me uh, now to act very locally or to at least be very aware of my the history of racism, white supremacy in my locality, wherever I am, if I'm traveling or on vacation, to always seek out that sort of information. Um, and that Pam knew so much about Chicago, a place where we're both from, and, and just schooled me so much is, is something that I, I still try to do to this day. So that's one of my takeaways from hearing her programs. And I'm going to definitely go back and listen to the rest of them now. Um, and then the second thing I want to say was that I think her writing, um, like many other callers have stated, made a great impact on me as well. Um, the bravery it takes to write what she does and to respond to questions and something like that is something I can't say I have. But I think, unfortunately, this event, I guess gratefully, served as a catalyst for me because it now makes me think very much on that matter. Um, and trying to find the courage to act in the system of racism, white supremacy, to help other victims at the very least, if not to outright face white supremacists. But um, I, I guess that's all, just writing and knowing to be aware of your locality, um, where you are and, and the history of racism, white supremacy there is what I'll take away from uh, the things I've heard from her. And I'm very, very sad to hear she passed. Thank you. Much obliged, Mel longtime contributor, uh, listener to the cloud, uh, cows. Glad to get your commentary in as well. Uh, with that, we will give Pam the final word uh, for this evening, although we will certainly hear from her again. Uh, this is from the very first time she was a guest on the program, July 2010. Uh, she's talking about Mr. Fuller and uh, even what was just mentioned, uh, having the courage, even sometimes when it's difficult, when it's unpleasant, uh, having the courage to continue forward. Uh, that is the challenge of being uh, an attempted counter-racist. Uh, I think uh, Ms. Pamela Evans-Harris uh, was an exemplary illustration uh, of demonstrating that courage on a regular basis uh, with tremendous sadness. We will conclude the program. Context of white supremacy. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Again, if Pam meant something to you, share. Uh, share her books. Share her blog. Uh, my, her blog might even be something that you want to save 
uh, because I'm not sure, uh, you know, who knows with the Internet uh, a year, two years, three years from now, it might not be uh, available. So if there are writings that you want, go ahead and save them. Uh, I think she would definitely uh, encourage that. Her books uh, share, read, certainly the archives of her being on this program. And she did other interviews as well, even all over the world. Uh, share the interviews, share the programs that she did uh, with other victims of white supremacy. Mr. Fox was posting some of her content uh, from YouTube, the YouTube channels where he's uploading material. Share. Uh, she did not do all of that material just for people to say, oh, yeah, I listened to that one time. Share and try to help as many black people as you can get a more accurate understanding of racism, white supremacy. That's, I think, what she would want. And if her life, times, energy contributes to that in any way, shape, form, man, I think she would feel like, yes, did something that was worthwhile. With that, this is uh, July 2010, Pam's first visit to the context of white supremacy. And this will conclude the broadcast. And three, the most important is once you know, you're responsible for that knowledge. And responsibility is something that a lot of times is avoided. You know, and I know because I avoid it myself. So a lot of times you avoid uh, the knowledge that requires you to change your life and requires you to do something different than what you are doing. I guess can you can you share with uh, some of our listeners because uh, I very much I do not want people just listening to this program and not doing anything. I, I hope people get this information and uh, adjust their thoughts, speech, and actions uh, in accordance uh, with the fact that we are in a system of racism, white supremacy. Do you have some suggestions for how people can uh, how victims can help deal with just a very justified fear? of white people and a fear of maybe getting in trouble or being harmed if they make an effort to uh, combat racism, white supremacy? Uh, you know, that's a very real uh, real and and uh, legitimate fear. Uh, I think the way to, the first place to start, in my opinion, would be to educate yourselves. There's certainly no risk in doing that, and that is to take advantage of the information that's out there. Um, and you can do that, and you can do that in the privacy of your home. And the funny thing about it is once you uh, once you get over the shock, I remember when I first started listening to Neely Fuller, and some of the things he said uh, hurt. I remember one thing in particular he said about black women, and it hurt. And I remember listening to the the tape cassette or the CD I, was, uh, I had in my car, and I turned it off. But the funny thing about pain is, that kind of pain is, as time goes along and you become more aware and you, be, and you get, gain a greater understanding, you become more powerful. And, the, and at some given point in time, you, won't take, you will not be willing to turn, to, to turn back and, and go back. You'll have to move forward. And that moving forward may require you to take action. It may require you to get involved or it may require you to write a book. But the one thing you'll do is you will become stronger. And uh, it's up to the individual how far they want to go. But there is one thing that's really true, in my opinion, is if you're not willing to fight for your freedom, you don't deserve it. And so 
at some point in time, you may reach a point where it's better to die on one's feet than live on one's knees. And all throughout history, people have put their lives on the line because of their beliefs were so strong. And I, I, I really, truly think that uh, we have to learn to get past the fear. And not so much the fear of dying, but the fear of living as a slave, which is a very powerful incentive to, 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 change, to change what is going on. I think that's the thing we should be most afraid of is having the next generation and the next generation go through what we went through. That should be our biggest fear. But I do respect and understand the fear of being harmed. No one wants to be harmed. But we're going to have to learn, in my opinion, to get past that fear. Hmm. Uh, I'm just I'm curious. <laughs> what did uh, Mr. Fuller say about black females that <laughs> upset you so? <laughs> well, what he said was, and the truth is always more painful than a lie. If I remember correctly, he said that uh, he, just, he was describing black women and white men and uh, the sexual connotation. In other words, that black women, if I'm trying to remember correctly, uh, to some effect he said that, that black women, uh, oh, I think I remember he said something about that being the biggest, basically the biggest secret in the black community were the sexual relationship between the black female and the white male. And as you can imagine, Mr. Fuller, pretty much it was blunt, uh, his dissection of it. And uh, I don't really remember the exact words, but I do remember uh, that it had something to do with the fact that this is something that black women don't want to talk about but pretend that it's not happening. Uh, you know, I guess... Uh, we talk a lot about black men and white women, but we don't talk very much about black women and white men and those secret, illicit sexual relationships that go on behind closed doors, uh, often behind closed doors. And so a lot of uh, what I got from it to some degree was we black women, we were being hypocritical. We were slamming the black men for being victims of white supremacy, for being brainwashed, when we were just as brainwashed. Only difference is that our stuff was more undercover and more hidden. And Mr. Fuller, being the blunt and factual and logical person that he is, didn't leave any room to hide from that hypocrisy. Do you feel uh, what he his his comments about uh, these uh, secret liaisons between black females and white men? Uh, do you feel what he had to say was accurate? Yes, that's why it was offensive. Hmm. Hmm. Because we had positioned ourselves at a position uh, from a uh, position of moral superiority. We're more loyal. We're more this and we're more that. But we are just as brainwashed and confused as the men, as the black men are, and so it reduced it, it pretty much eliminated that foundation of moral superiority. <laughs> oh, 
So it, wow. it really just encourages you to take a good look. I mean, if you're looking at black women, for example, and I'm, I'm speaking in general terms. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I mean, uh, look at what we consider beautiful. I mean, in terms of uh, not so much what we consider beautiful, but, you know, the things that we have internalized. You know, we are just as quick to make fun of someone who is dark, too dark, or someone whose hair is nappy or whose nose is broad. And yet we're the ones that are penalized for that same kind of beauty standard. But we don't acknowledge that we're just as guilty of promoting it as we claim black men are. 